Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, it's going to do it, Merrill. It's going to do it. Great, great highlight from Merrill Reese. Good morning, everybody. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. And, uh... In case you've been avoiding following sports since the Phillies <laughs> got knocked out, well, there's an event this weekend, Mike, at the Link Eagles-Cowboys. The game has major implications. We'll get to those in a few minutes. Okay. But even when the Eagles-Cowboys does not have major implications in the standings, this home game is usually the event of the year, the one people circle when the schedule comes out in April, the one that nobody sells their tickets to. Mm-hmm. I talked this week on this great station, mm-hmm. which I have been proud to be a member for of for actually 30, 30 years next month. I'll wow. Be, it'll be my 30th anniversary next month. The talk this week has been meh. <laughs> Nothing special. <laughs> Not a living, breathing rivalry. Was, was that a tired sheep sound? <laughs> was that? Meh. <laughs> Who's Jack Fritz? Exactly. Our younger hosts and some of the callers seem to be stifling a yawn as they discuss this. So, Mike, in mm-hmm. the words of the great Vince Lombardi, what the hell's going on around here? What does this mean to you? Well, I don't. I wouldn't count myself among the younger hosts at this station. I'm, no, you're, I'm 48. Yeah, you're right in the middle, which so, is perfect. Right, and I think I bridged the gap that you're talking about here. I think for a generation, a certain generation of Eagles fans, the Cowboys are and always will be the evil empire. Hello! They are NFL films, peons. They are Roger Staubach and Tom Landry and gleaming skyscrapers in downtown Dallas and <laughs> winning and arrogance and all of those things. Yes! Thank you. That's me. Okay. I, I, I raise my hand. <laughs> the younger generation of fans, I think, looks at the Cowboys and says, this is a franchise that hasn't won a Super Bowl in nearly 30 years. This is a franchise that gets foisted on football fans around the country in the national discussion about the NFL because the Cowboys move the needle and because Jerry Jones keeps them relevant and because there's always this possibility that the Cowboys might make a run. And so I don't think that the younger generation of fans looks at the Cowboys in the same way people of your generation or even a lot of my generation, Gen Xers, look at it because they don't see a dynasty. Mm. They don't see arrogant mm-hmm. success. They mm. see, eh, not that big a deal. Okay. Like, they, they never pull it out in the end. All right. Well, let me uh, – just let me give my own background. Understand, I, I, I hated the Cowboys long before I moved to Philadelphia. Okay. Because – and I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which is the other conference. Like, there's, you know – other than when they played the Cowboys in those Super Bowls, which is after I had moved here, there was there was nothing. But even as a kid, I know they were always shoved down our throats. CBS, the Cowboy Broadcast System, four <laughs> o'clock right. game, was that. And in even in Buffalo, like here, there were Weasel Cowboy fans among. A quick story: I had a friend named Jeff Spelder. Mm-hmm. Okay, lived down the block from me. Had a big hockey rink in his backyard. We used to skate all winter. Okay. 
Uh, we're at his house. I have to use the bathroom. The bathroom's upstairs. I go to the bathroom. Next, to, His bedroom is next to the bathroom. I look inside his bedroom. He had drawn football helmets with magic markers. We're like, you know, 11. Mm-hmm. And he had put the NFL helmets he had drawn with magic markers. I'm looking at the wall. I'm seeing the cowboy helmet right at the top. And I go, I sneak in. I rip it up. I throw it in the trash. <laughs> I use the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Did you flush it down the toilet? No, no, but I threw it in the trash. <laughs> he never mentioned it to me. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, but look, I know... I know for most of our listeners that the, the Leroy Jordan, Timmy Brown thing and Wilbur's run in 1980, those are stories from their grandfather. I mm-hmm. get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But let's start in this century. Okay. The pickle juice game. Mm-hmm. The McNabb 16-yard scramble throw to Freddie Mitchell. You were there for that game. I was for, there for that game in 2004. Brian Dawkins shutting down Terrell Owens in his return to town in 2006. Mm-hmm. Lito's 102-yard interception off of Bledsoe. The 44-6 game. You and I were talking before they came on the air. No, 2008, the, as the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. My favorite game, or the NFC title game, yeah. excuse me. My favorite game ever, crushing Romo that day. Mm-hmm. Vic to Deshaun for 91 yards to win a game. Nick Foles, 2013, beats him in the take-all NFC East game uh, at the end of the season. Ship's first year. Now, I know none of these were in the last nine years. Right. And here's what I, this is what I would say to Jack Fritz and all of these guys, you know, these, mm-hmm. these, these, these whippersnappers. Okay. The rivalry, the rivalry may be sleeping, mm-hmm. but it's not dead. It's there. It's handed from generation to generation. Those of us who lived through those years, and you are among that, when the Cowboys were on top and gloating and obnoxious and awful and drawing national attention, we're not going to let that go. We lived through them being called America's team, named by somebody here at NFL Films. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that for a lot of people, the rivalry, the real rivalry is the Giants. Like I talked to Ike Reese, who played sure. for it, and Ike's like, the Giants was it. Um, and I know that this doesn't mean what it used to. And, Mike, I hear talk that the Cowboys are irrelevant. Well, they're not that. Yeah, don't believe it. They're not that. The traitors among us who may have put their Tony Romo jerseys into mothballs for them, they'll emerge as soon as the Cowboys gain an advantage over our Eagles. Like like the Asian flu. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> like, the, like the seven years cicada. The outbreak of rampant cowboy stupidity comes back every few years just to remind us that really all men are not created equal. <laughs> and so... Ben, ben Kenny, do we have, like, patriotic music to, to play over this monologue that this, Glenn is delivering? Is I think I may have finished it. But <laughs> this, this is like Sam the Eagle on the Muppets. <laughs> but, but this is really how I feel. Yeah, right now... Hey, the Eagles are winning. The Eagles are better. The Cowboys, as you said, they haven't been in a Super Bowl in, whatever, 58 years. But you know what? They're still out there. They're in the weeds. They don't die easily. Don't let it go. Hold it dearly. This means this means something. This means a lot. That's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> well done, Ben. Well done. What say you? Here's what I say. I think you're making a good point in this regard, and this is, might be hard for you and some Eagles fans to hear. I think your point is well taken about the rivalry be, being kind of dormant. I think what it might take to fully reignite it 
throughout Philadelphia, throughout the region, would be the Cowboys making the Super Bowl. Because then all of those... All right, slow down. Well, all of those feelings that you're talking about, Glenn, yeah. would get stirred up again. Like, I know. You know, all the moments you mentioned, you know, the, the McNabb to Freddie Mitchell pass. Loved and the it. pickle juice game. Oh, it was great. They're all... You, you love those moments because you're working from the assumption that everybody hates the Cowboys as much as you do. They also they should. But nowadays, not as many people do. I'm not saying those people are, ra- are, wrong, are right or wrong. I'm just saying they no, just they're don't. They're wrong. They're, they're, <laughs> that's, that's not walk the middle. They're okay. wrong. But here's, right. here's why they're wrong. And this is, again, this is parenting to me. Okay? <laughs> My right. kids hate the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They hate the Cowboys. Even though, again, through most of their lifetime, my kids are like in their 30s, right? Mm-hmm. Through most of their lifetime, it has been the way you say. But this is a family thing, okay? I mean, this is the USSR, okay? These are bad people, and this is what they did. This is the thing. <laughs> you have to never let this go, even if right now nothing's going on. Well, mm-hmm. it isn't Russia right now, but you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. This, this is something that will come ebb and flow and come back and go, but hold it, hold it tight. Mm-hmm. Keep that hatred close at hand because you're going to need it someday. Yeah. Thank you th- very much. I think you're right. I think what makes it challenging to generate that sort of passion about the Cowboys nowadays is, as I said, it's been 28 years since they have gotten to a Super Bowl, let alone 1-1. It's been 28 years since they got to an NFC Championship game, uh, let alone won it and gone to the Super Bowl. So the tables have turned. You had generations of fans who grew up here Hating the Cowboys, not just because the Cowboys won all the time, but because the Eagles were so terrible yeah. for so long. Do you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, there was a period from roughly 1966 to 1978, more mm-hmm. or less, okay? So it's when people my age were growing up yeah, where the Eagles and Cowboys played, again, I, I, I'm not sure my stats are exactly right, but they're real close. They played 24 games and the Cowboys won 22. Yeah. And so for those people... It's like they were they were like, you know, for, for decades just whipping boys. Right. And take it to my generation. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, my generation remembers the late eighties into the early nineties. When the Eagles were getting good under Buddy Ryan in the late eighties, they were beating the snot out of the Cowboys at the time. Uh when Tom Landry's tenure was ending and Jimmy yeah. Johnson's was just beginning. Yeah, remember that, that ten sack game? That was fun. The the eleven sack game 11. Thanksgiving. I, I'm sorry, I didn't want to take one, um, one yeah. away from and and that same season. Yeah. That same season was the game uh, at Veterans Stadium where Jimmy Johnson got hit with snowballs. Oh uh, yeah. And our esteemed <laughs> former governor and mayor paid someone twenty bucks to try yeah. to throw a snowball on the field. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Ed Rendell. Yeah. Um, but you go from that, you know, being a teenager at that time, you go from that and thinking, wow, the Eagles are great, the Cowboys stink. We're going to win a Super Bowl. And then not only doesn't that happen, not only do the Eagles never get to the Super Bowl during that era, the Cowboys build one of the great dynasties in the sport. Yeah. They win three three times in four years. So for you, then, you have to you have to hold it, right? I mean, for people your age. Well, I right? don't hold it. Then we get in, we're getting into the the. Job, you know, okay, my job right. as a journalist I and a understand. columnist and all yeah, that. Yeah, you're in a different, little different yeah, situation than I am. Yeah, but people in my generation do right. hold you're, that. You're yeah. Ray. Yeah. I know. You have to check your, your fandom you check at the, the door. The fandom at and the I, door. listen, I appreciate that. I'll never begrudge that. But I'm, if, you can, if you may speak for your generation. I think there are a, a number of people in my generation who hold on to that 
intense dislike slash hatred of the Cowboys from that era, yes. based on that era. And they should, and they always should. And young people should be inoculated with this so that they don't get that Cowboy virus. So that, <laughs> I'm speaking on my rear end here. Okay. They, 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 they should always know that it's just that. Be diligent. Mm-hmm. Be ready. Keep that hatred. Because someday they are coming back. And someday they are going to be good. Mm-hmm. And you can't just start from like, oh, yeah, they can't. And then hate them. You have to hate them always so that when the time comes when you need that hate, mm-hmm. it's there. I think it's less hate. Emotional today. You are. I think it's less hatred now than it is kind of almost um, chuckling. Like, mm, you know, why the, no. I know. Yeah. But why are the Cowboys, why do we pay so much attention yeah, to this team? Yeah. They haven't won anything in so long. Stephen A. Smith goes apoplectic about them on ESPN. That's good. He still gets it. And Skip Bayless wears his jerseys and does his well, performative stuff. Jackass. I think a lot of that drives the discussion around the team now. And the other thing you have to remember, too, Glenn, and, and I know you've talked about this with Ray over the years. Yes, uh, most Eagles fans, I would say, regard the Cowboys as the Eagles' primary rival. I'm not sure how many Cowboys fans regard the Eagles as their primary well, rival. Well, I think more than used to, because it used to be the Cowboys-Redskins. Right. Now, Washington has be, been the irrelevant franchise mm-hmm. for so long, and the Eagles have smacked around the Cowboys. So, listen, I'm going to say something I, I don't like to say. I actually have family in I, wow. I'm ashamed of that. Oh my. my wife's brother moved there out of college. Got and a you job. don't speak to him anymore? No, nah, it's, you know, we come to terms with it. But, but um, and so he's got kids, and, they, you know, and mm-hmm. they're all like that. And um, they they see their primary rival as the Eagles. They mm-hmm. do. Because the Eagles are the team that they can't beat. Well, I mean, they have beaten the Eagles. Right. But the team that, that is going to the Super Bowl, and they're not. So I think that is more so. Not as much. Mm-hmm. Because, again, ours is... 50 years long, for God's sakes. Yeah. Theirs is more in the last 10 years. But I don't want our youngsters to lose that edge. Okay. And I don't want anybody coming on this station like I heard saying, you know, maybe the rival should be the Niners. What are you, out of your freaking mind? <laughs> what are you, crazy? Uh, it, is, right. it is great that they're still in the, in the division. Like, I love the fact that the NFC East still to this day involves yeah. a team in the greater Washington, D.C. area, a team in the greater New York City area, a team in Philadelphia, and a team in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> was good great. because they, at one point, felt like, eh, maybe we should make it more geographically right, relevant, right. and we'll give like give them the Jets or the no, Ravens give, give or whatever. Give the NFL credit for being smart enough to understand rivalries <laughs> Absolutely. and passion in that regard. All right. You got anything else, or you want to take a caller? No, let's take a few callers. All I right. think we got some people who want to we expre- We've expressed yes. our opinions on this? Uh, uh, you certainly have. Uh, I've tried to be like, you've got this electric cable crackling through your body this morning. I I'm do. trying to keep you grounded. T- it's, it's freaking cowboy week. <laughs> and let me just say this. One more thing before we go to the callers. This is what I do know. That tomorrow, when we do that pregame show at the stadium from 1 to 4, mm-hmm. there's not going to be anybody who's coming to that stadium or going to the pregame show going like, you know, maybe it's the Niners. Maybe the Niners should be the right. No. Nobody so. there <laughs> is going to be saying that. It is going to be pure, unadulterated cowboy hatred. Qu- quick story. I have uh, dear friends, our next-door neighbors, uh, have a 14-year-old daughter who is going to the game tomorrow. Oh, have her come by to preview. With a friend yeah. and the friend's family. So no. I just I, I saw them last night, and I said yeah. to them, you know, if if – she may end up tailgating, so just just be prepared. You yeah, know? it's going to be nuts in a good way. Good nuts, good. All right. Well, 
our first caller. I do not believe I have to worry about the sentiment of this guy okay. when it comes to Eagles Cow. This is very appropriate because Rocco is – Rocco, you're right yes. there with me. I know you are. This is the result of everyone gets a participation trophy. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm just going to start off with that. but And also social media because people are – People think that that's a reality because the 49ers chirped a lot in the offseason. And if you notice, the Cowboys, they didn't want to rattle the cage all week leading yeah. up to this game. Yeah. You know, they, they you know they played it. People are getting so duped. It's ridiculous. They forget. They forget or they never knew. It doesn't matter that they shouldn't have the hatred for those and I hate to use the term cockroaches because the person yeah, who started right, that, I, right. I, and, and this, he was the biggest cockroach of them all. But and why know, would that be? Oh well, Eskin wearing a, a, an Aikman jersey mm. while he was kicking field goals at the vet. Wow. Nobody's People? ever going to forget that. Wow, Rocco, that <laughs> is a wow. Rocco, let me ask you a question. You have kids? Yes, I do. Uh, you Wrong. have procreated. That's good to hear. Yes. <laughs> and you did imbue this in your children, correct? Let me tell you. Did uh, they get let me it? Tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. I went, I took my son to uh, uh, Eagles camp, and he was wearing, um, let's say, an R-rated shirt that was denigrating Cowboys. Yeah. All right. And he was like 10 years old. That's good. So, yeah, That's... I brought him, I raised him correctly. There you go. All right, man. <laughs> Are you going to be at the game tomorrow? Yes, yes. Oh, actually, stop uh, by. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, I'm going to be holding the American flag on the field during pregame. Wow, that's great, Rocco. How'd you get that? Um, they have uh, um, uh, uh, fans relations uh, department. That's um, great. I, I do it like every year, but tomorrow is going to be very special because one of the people in our group uh, is a veteran, and it's going to be Veteran Service Day. So yeah, I'm expecting mm-hmm. a big, uh, a big. You know, turnout for that. I, oh, they're absolutely going to be. Uh, stop by the pregame. I want to see you. That's great. How about that? Carry the flag. Sweet. Yeah. You know, standing for all that is just and right and anti-Dallas. <laughs> is that part of the, the national anthem? The hatred of Dallas? I think it's in there somewhere. Is it is somewhere? It? <laughs> yeah. Bombs or bursting the land, in air. Dallas. Yeah, or the land of the free and we all hate the cowboys. Yeah. I would sing that tomorrow. If they, <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> Dennis in Springfield. What's going on, Dennis? Yeah, good morning, guys. Glenn, hey. you are one. You're one hundred percent correct. Thank you. It, 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 it's like a tattoo: the hatred of the Cowboys. Yes, it runs it's more, permanent. It's not Hannah. It, it runs more than skin deep. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's it's in your blood, and, and it's not so much the players and the team anymore that I hate or despise. It's all the peripheral stuff with them. It's everything that they bring with them. It, it's the appearance or in my mind the wanting of the national media for them to be good yeah it's I, almost I, like they root for them yeah i think you're putting your finger on something there dennis um and look to Thank a certain you. degree i can't blame the national media be, for talking about the cowboys as much as they do because if you look at the numbers the cowboys move the needle they are the yankees they are the lakers they are beyond those teams and franchises in some regard but the peripheral stuff is what gets people most. I mean, think about it, Glenn. Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Dak Prescott, Tony Romo to a lesser degree because I don't care for him much as, a, as an announcer now. But, like, there's nothing wrong with those guys. It's hard to find something wrong 
They're not obnoxious. They're not bleep talkers. They're none of those things. The, the quarterbacks of the Cowboys are about as good as you get when it comes to playing the position and carrying themselves a certain way. And yet, people around here hate all this American. franchise. They better play the patriotic music <laughs> again. He's going all American. My, my on point this. is, yeah. and yet people still despise them this much. Um, yeah, I mean, Staubach didn't earn that because he was a the war hero and all that. So he even people who hated the Cowboys would always go like, eh, but not Staubach. Right. Um, Aikman hate was mostly that he was really good. Troy Aikman never did anything that you would, you know, find him obnoxious. Listen, again, uh, 30 years here, I've done 60-plus Eagles-Cowboys games, and so every imaginable theme over the years mm-hmm. we did, including probably at least a half a dozen times, your most hated cowboy of all time. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> yes. like, I'm done I'm done with that. I yeah. did it, did it, did it. But the thing that is true that I'll agree with you is I don't know who on this team who I hate. No, I I right? I, there's I not agree that there Deion isn't... Sanders, Michael Irvin. There's not that guy. You know the guy I always hated, by the way? I always hated Billy Bates. Oh, jeez. You know why? Because <laughs> he's like, he's the best special teams guy in football. Everybody yeah. loves Who wouldn't love a Billy Bates? Like, yeah. you know what? Screw him. You know what? who I think that guy is now and has been for a while is Jerry Jones. Yes. He's the outspoken yes, one. Yes, you're right. That's he's exactly the guy right. That, he's it. That gets all the fire turned he's on. He's the melted face of the franchise. Yeah. Mike McCarthy, you just kind of, kind of laugh at him a little bit because he tends to make dumb decisions in games. And, yeah. You know. I was thinking one more call here. John and Maniac. What are you thinking, John? Hey, Mike, uh, I have to congratulate Mike, first of all, for schooling you in beer basketball on uh, What's Brewing. Thank you very, that? Thank you very much, John. I am uh, the world champion beer basketball player. I am the Steph Curry of beer of the Beer Basketball Challenge, and people should rewatch that episode of Glenn's terrific show, What's Brewing, to see just how good I am at you the Beer Basketball Challenge. You and me and Kate Challenge. Scott, and you dominated. You were really good at that. Yeah. yeah. You guys left a lot of beer on the ground, but it was very entertaining. Thank I you. Thanks, John. Yeah, but, uh, you know, on the Cowboys thing here, um, yeah, it's mostly, you know, we all know a Cowboys troll who lives around here, grew up in Delco or wherever you grew up in Camden County or Philadelphia. And I think that's what fuels it mostly for people like us who listen to the state uh, station. But, but it, Let me it ask is, you a question, though. So okay. in, in terms of, you know, younger people saying it doesn't mean as much anymore, I don't think there's as many people under 35 who are Cowboy fans. No. Because the people who became Cowboy fans were the losers who <laughs> felt um, disjointed from society, so glommed on to the evil side. They were the kids who would take their ball home when they weren't picked in games. They were those kids who therefore rooted against the common good of all of us. But I think because the Cowboys haven't been good, you don't get as many of them uh, – as a, as I'm a, trying to make a serious a point list, here. As a listener just said on Twitter, we got spicy Glenn today. Yeah, I know. We do. <laughs> um, or you could look at it the other way, that the Cowboys were just winning so much during the 70s that it was hard for a young kid to not see them winning game after game and a few Super Bowls and say, you know, I want to be part of that Yeah, glean. toughen up, son. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Uh, no, uh, you're I'm, right. I'm really going to play the bad guy no, here No, 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 because you're right, because that's what it was, but I'm characterizing who they were. You're characterizing why they did it. Okay. We're both Fair correct. Enough. Two things are right at the same time. <laughs> 215-592-9494. I do have energy today. You I'm do. You it, are it, fired it's, up. It is Eagles-Cowboys week. It was a slow rise into it, mm-hmm. but I will never, ever take these we, for We granted. haven't even gotten to the implications of this game Well, yet. let's do that coming back, because this game means a whole hell of a lot. You laid it out for me yesterday. 
Actually, you got me a little nervous. <laughs> so, we'll come back. We'll get into that. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macdow. Cowboy Saturday a 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That was the 44-6 game that we were that talking was. about earlier in 2008. That was just unbelievably great. Last game of the year. Uh, we're doing the pregame, and we're basically saying, well, they're not going to make the playoffs because in order for the Eagles to make the playoffs, this thing has to happen in Tampa Bay, and the Bears have to do this. And there were like three real remote things they had, and – by the time we finish the pregame and walk into the stadium, all three of those things happened. And that stadium was alive at yeah. that moment because everybody had been following those games, too, and knew that whoever won that Eagles-Cowboys game was heading to the playoffs. My favorite game of all time. By the way, that was Merrill Reese. Merrill is going to be joining us at noon, 11 o'clock. We'll be talking to Brian Baldinger, whose Baldy breakdowns are the, simply the greatest thing going in terms of uh, breaking down football. But, Mike, we do need to talk about the stupid football bet. We do. Because you uh, actually, you, 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 you know, feeling the heat coming around the corner there, Glenn Mack? Now, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you know what can't happen tomorrow? The pass rush cannot disappear again. Um, Sam Howell threw fifty-five times. Went back to pass fifty-five times last week. Yeah, and was sacked once. Yes, let's play that. Two eighteen left in the game. Eagles up thirty-one to twenty-four. Fourth and five at the Washington twenty-five. Okay. By the way, at that point, we felt like, well, that's it. Game's over. Let's. Do it. And then, meanwhile, two yeah, touchdowns. Two after more that. touchdowns. Okay. Came after that. Um, yeah. They got to get a better pass rush tomorrow. I don't know. I haven't looked at the the replay of the Washington game closely to know whether the pass rush wasn't getting home, or what I felt like was happening was that Hal was getting to the top of his drop and able to get rid of the ball to an open receiver as soon as he could have wanted to. Right over the middle, usually against N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, yeah I so know. I don't know and how the much. Corner, but the cornerbacks are not playing well. Yeah. yeah um, Bradbury and Slay looked a little slow last they did. Sunday. Uh, so you're, you're right. Look, they're going to have to get pressure on Prescott. Tyron Smith, I don't think, is playing. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's their a benefit. Line, their, their line's got issues. Yeah. yeah, and Jalen Carter should be back for the Eagles. So that should help you. And it should I hope so. So here's the score of the stupid football bet. Lay it on us. Super football bet is you have Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. You have six and a half sacks. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I got all the Georgia Bulldogs. I got seven sacks, but you got momentum. I have major amounts of momentum. I have a healthy Hassan Reddick. Uh, I am paying him handsomely every time I go into the Eagles locker room <laughs> to incentivize him to sack quarterbacks. Just kidding. And uh, yeah, I feel pretty. I'm feeling better and better about this bet yeah. all the time. Glenn. It's actually a really good bet because I want to win, but it's better when it's close. Right. So I want it to be close. So there you go. All right, we talked yesterday, and one of the things that you brought up to me is you think people are kind of underselling implications for this game. I, I do. We can get 
caught up, and we just did in a previous segment about the rivalry and just the the Eagles-Cowboys thing as it is. This is a huge game for the Eagles with major implications. Look, if they win, they go to 8-1. and one, The Cowboys go to 5, what, 5-3. and three, Yeah. And you've basically got a three-and-a-half game lead in the division because you will have – you know, have the two-game lead on the, uh, in the in the standings, and you will have the head-to-head advantage over the Cowboys. But if the Cowboys win, the Eagles will be seven and two going into their bye week. The Cowboys will then be six and two, with their next three games coming up at home against the Giants, on the road against the I think winless Carolina, Carolina Panthers, yeah. and then at home against Washington. Yeah, who packed it in the trade deadline? Right. And not only will they have an easier schedule coming up, because we all know that the Eagles are you know, beginning a gauntlet here uh, with Kansas City and Buffalo and San Francisco and the Cowboys again. The Cowboys will have the head-to-head matchup advantage. They will have beaten the Eagles. So this is a major, major game with major, major impact on how the NFC East and the NFC as a whole is going to shake out. I agree. It's not just another divisional game. It's not just another Eagles-Cowboy game. It's a game that means a lot. And And... Let us be honest, the Cowboys don't fear the Eagles. The Cowboys no. have beaten the Eagles eight of the last 11 times. They're not, or I guess Prescott's eight and three. I don't think the Cowboys have, but Prescott's eight and three against the Eagles. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, last, last they, year. They know they can beat the Eagles. Yeah, last year was a bit of a wash, only because Dak didn't play in the game at the link, and Jalen Hurts didn't play in the game on Christmas Eve in Dallas. Right. So, you know, you can't really say, well, one team had a clear edge last season mm-hmm. over the other because neither of them had their quarterbacks for either game. Right. And this you don't want to be a wild card and have to go in the playoffs to travel to Seattle or San, San Francisco, Francisco or, or you, Dallas or, or wherever. Right, right. You want those games at home. You want to win that division. It's a huge game. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really, really big. And I don't feel like people appreciate that yet. And part of it, I think, Glenn, is because the Eagles have been a bit of a machine so far. You know, they're winning even though we haven't really seen them at their best. And so people should understand that this this has meaning, this one. You better play at your best this yep. one. Yeah. Uh, Bill in Glenside Hi. is with us. Hey there, Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, my grandson plays flag football for one of the suburban organizations, and it's underwritten or sponsored by the NFL. This year his team was the Dallas Cowboys. What? Whoa. He, yeah. Where? And, Where? Where, where does he live? Uh, Yardley, and the what? but the, the group was great. But he was he was the Dallas Cowboys, so he ended up being out there with more duct tape on his jersey than anything. My son completely covered everything with duct tape. We've got great pictures of him standing there, and it was really neat. So wow. Uh, and the other thing is, Mike, Wait, I would h- like hold to hold on. Did they have all thirty-two teams? Uh, I'm I am not sure. I don't think so. No. So why in the why world yeah. would they have the Cowboys in right. this part of the world? You would think somebody would have said, ah, this ain't too good. Probably but, just, anyway. you know, rubber stamping. <clears throat> these are the most popular teams in the NFL. These uh, are the, yeah. you know, these Maybe. are the flag football teams that will be named after them. Let's move on. And nobody yep. pauses to say, hey, people in suburban Philadelphia really, really don't like the Cowboys. Bill, I'm going to say something that I, you don't have to endorse this or not. I don't want to put you in a tough spot. But whoever runs that youth football league should be fired. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. They were great. Yeah, um, I'm sure they were. Yeah. The other, it, it was ceremoniously burned uh, <laughs> at 
the end of the season in the in the thing. The other thing, I'd like to thank Mike for the article on Langhorn Speedway. Oh, thank you, um, Bill. I uh, I had my picture taken with Mario Andretti there when I was 15, and 10 years later, I was on his crew at the Indy 500. Oh my gosh! So uh, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, he he always got a bang out of that. Yeah, but no. People, People don't realize that Langhorn Speedway is hallowed ground. Uh, that that place is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a piece of history that a lot of people have forgotten about. And uh, Bill's talking about a piece I did for the Inquirer last year um, about the Speedway. And now there's just a, uh, a car dealership there, and you wouldn't really know it except for a historical marker. So thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we switch it up just for a little bit. Plus, we have to talk about a trade that came down early in the week with the Sixers. Oh, yeah. And all the implications of that. Yes. Uh, don't forget, 11 o'clock, Brian Baldinger joins us for some Baldy breakdowns. Noon, Merrill Reese. I imagine Merrill has a thought or two about Eagles Cowboys. M- Merrill has lots of thoughts yeah. about lots of things. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now on 94 WIP, it is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. Hey, the great people at Guided Door and Window, they're going to make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. So for every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. All right, Mike, a little other news we got to get in here yep. this week, uh, which is... The trade came. What's funny is I woke up. Was the trade Sunday into Monday or Monday into Tuesday? I think it was uh, Monday into Tuesday. Monday into Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I get up early. I, I don't know why. I, like 545. I You're nuts. Up. I know. I don't, I don't even need to. I absolutely don't need to, but I wake up that time. Not always. Sometimes. There's, like, there's something about people. I, sleeping into me is 630. And trust me, if I could, I'd sleep there. My mom, I don't sleep well. My mom has been like that for years. Yeah, she she I, loved too. to wake up at like 445. No, I love to. Yeah. I just don't sleep well. I never sleep well. Anyway, but I wake up and I just flip on the radio and it's John Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, there's a trade. The hardened trade. is it's like, Yeah. That woke me up. I, I had exactly the same reaction. I woke up, woke up at 620 that morning because mm-hmm. we got to get kids on the school bus. And the great part about that trade was that because it had happened so late the night before and I learned about it at 6.20 in the morning, I had my column for the yeah. Inquirer written by 8 o'clock. <laughs> and that was great. That's right. It's not how it affects the six. No. It's how a, does it how affect, does it affect me and my work? <laughs> Al Franken. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so um, I can't even tell you everything. They got some first-round draft picks and some guys. Conditional and picks and Marcus guys whose con- yeah, yeah, contracts whatever. are expiring. Oh, okay. come on. Robert Covington. Oh, yes. Yeah, Can we him, highlight him? Saw him enough the first time. Um, not a bad player. All right. Well, not, well, not so now. But, all right. So yeah. let's get out of the way. What do you think about the trade? I think Daryl Morey got about as much as he was going to get for James Harden okay. at this point. Okay. Um, 
So James Harden comes out and you know he does a couple news conferences and he said a lot of stupid things. But I want to play one cut that particularly annoyed me and probably most oh, people yeah. around here. This is him in, with the Clippers doing uh, doing a news. For those of you listening, uh, that line just sent Glenn Mack now recoiling away from his microphone <laughs> as if he had been shocked by a bolt it's, of lightning. To me, it's <laughs> one of those quotes that will go down in infamy. I am not a system player. I am the system. I, I have to, have to, have Say it to. Say in Schwarzenegger voice. Yeah. <laughs> I am not the system player. I am the system. And I will pump you up. Um, have, to, have to, have to, have to shout out my colleague and friend Marcus Hayes who wrote a column about this for the Inquirer and is on Inquirer.com today for these two brilliant lines. Number one, uh, Harden claimed he was on a leash in Philadelphia, and yes, he often played like a dog. <laughs> That's great. And number two, I am not a system player, Harden said. I am a system. Marcus's retort, yeah, a septic system. Uh, that's brilliant. Good for so, Marcus. Yeah. Nicely done. Um, well, for, uh, look, whatever th- wherever you want to go with Yeah, it. look. I had written in the offseason that he was not going to play for this team anymore one way or another, whether they traded him in the offseason or whether he just decided, you know what, I'm going to make as much mischief and misery as I can for the Sixers until they they trade me. This is who James Harden is. He lives in this world where he's still the guy around whom a team can build its entire offense and he can take every shot and he can dribble the ball until there are five seconds left in the shot clock. He's not that guy anymore. And what's kind of fascinating to me is that if you listen to some of what's come out since he left, you hear Doc Rivers talking about how much it bothered Harden that he didn't make the all-star team last year. Yeah, really. And that was the pivot point on which his season turned. Yeah. That after playing like a facilitator for the entire first half of the season and still leading the league in assists by the end of it, he decided, you know what, this isn't for me. Playing this way is for the birds. I need to take a, you know, take back control of the offense and the ball. And, look, he's at the only team now in the Clippers that are going to allow him or even entertain the idea of allowing him to do that. And the only reason the Clippers want him, I think, is because they're opening a new arena next year, and they want star power. They want names. They had, they're tr- they had good names. Yeah, but they want as many as possible to compete with the Lakers. They are the, the, you know, the lesser franchise in the Los Angeles area, and they are fighting for eyeballs and – Maybe part of this too, Glenn, is just you know, if we can't win games, at least let's be uh, a dumpster, an interesting dumpster fire while we're losing them. Well, did you see the video of him walking into the locker room for the yes. first time and the lack of enthusiasm from the guys there? Yeah, because I mean, one guy, I forget who, was, doesn't even look up. No, because they all know they're not going to see the ball again. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many bad? You only play with one basketball at a time, and you've now got a team with James Harden, Paul George, um, Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, you know. So now here, uh, I think that clearly what this does is is we're getting the opportunity to see how much better Maxi can be. I think that's the biggest benefit of the whole trade. Yeah, and I think what happens, I think, is you have Maxi and Embiid, and you know you play together now through like December, and hopefully uh, the general manager figures out what he needs to add for that third guy. Yeah. 
And it also allows you to sign Maxi to a long-term contract, clear some cap space. Uh, and and the, the Sixers are in the position now that the Clippers could have been in had they not waited, had they waited to make the, the Harden deal, which is something's going to happen between now and the trade deadline that's going to allow a superstar or a budding superstar to become available on the trade market. And the Sixers now have enough assets, and I know how everybody around here loves that word, but it's true. They have enough assets now to be able to go get one of those players. By the way, just last thing for me, and we'll get back to the phones. Uh, I like that Embiid took the high road. Yes. When he was asked about it this week, here's his quote. I think he did a lot of great things for us, but in my opinion, I just felt we allowed him to just be himself as opposed to, you know, uh, I am Embiid. <laughs> uh, and we gave him the ball every single possession because he's really good. He's an amazing player. If you're watching the game, we gave him the ball every single possession to go out and just do his thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it worked a, a good amount of the time in the regular season. The problem is once you get to the postseason, the team you're going to see as much as seven times in two weeks can figure out how to stop yep. even a player like James Harden. Yeah, goodbye and good riddance. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. between him and Ben Simmons, it's just been <laughs> it's been wonderful around that team. Yeah, uh, for a long time. Yeah, so you hope just like there's no more poison there, right? Right. There's no more. Stuff, right? The Sixers have had a lot of stuff around yeah. them between Harden and Simmons and burner accounts and, you know, yeah. any number of things. Just it would be nice no for their fans that that team just kind of quieted down. Yeah, no drama would be nice. Jack in Santa Barbara. What's up, dude? Uh, Mike, you're, you're such a historian. I could send you on a tangent because I had inside on Harden and um, he had a wine that had his face on it. He did, and, yes. And it wasn't doing well when, when he got in the polarization with Daryl Morey. And the person who's on the inside told me Harden let, let things go through because he's going to sell the wine on the West Coast now oh and go back and value. Yeah, you um, know what? I... I, I... I have no reason to doubt that story, Jack. And one of the things that really bothered me about what Harden did and said during the offseason was that he made those comments about Daryl Morey while in China. And if you right. know anything about the history of Daryl Morey in China, yeah, yeah. you know, it was really a middle finger to Morey and to NBA fans, really, because nobody was going to challenge Harden on what he said. It wasn't like he was saying it at a press conference where someone could ask him a question. It was just, it was bad all around. Yeah, but we don't need to go on that tangent is my, is my, my point. Gotcha. I want, because you guys were on topic, I, I just chimed mm-hmm. in on it because I sure. did have the, in, the inside. Um, it, back to the Cowboys. Uh, again, I think you're doing a great job, Mike, of being the historian, filling those shoes that, that were there all those years um, as a journalist. And I really love listening to you guys because you really have let the game come to you. And this, um, this Cowboys thing, because I go back, you know, I'm in, I'm 71. So Mm -hmm. I go back to uh, nothing ever happened good out of Dallas where (laughs) Philadelphia was concerned because we had the Army-Navy game. We had Roger the Dodger, and then all of a sudden they get the golden boy 
who came out of the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia right after the president got shot. I'll never forget that as a kid. And from that point on was when I learned to, like, hate the Cowboys. Yeah, but, but Jack, you didn't, you didn't hate the Cowboys because of Roger Staubach. Right, I mean, you hated the Cowboys. Hate him because they, he hit him because they got Roger. They Staubach. got Roger Staubach. Okay, I mean that's. He didn't hate Roger Staubach. He hated that he ended up in Dallas. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the ironies, right? Like Roger Staubach is one of like the ten least hateable NFL players of all time. It just so happened that he ended up with maybe the most hateable NFL team of all time. It's funny how those things work out. Hey, he was wearing the wrong uniform. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was. But man, he was a good player, a terrific, yeah, terrific so, player. So they say. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to add a little levity here, Glenn. No, you're not in the mood for the levity. Did you watch a lot of Roger Staubach games in your 48 years on this earth? No, I did not. Okay, I did. Okay, watch a lot of Roger Staubach. And you didn't like him? Why would I like him? Well, yeah, I yeah. know there's the thing you should like him. He's a war hero and so on. I don't begrudge him. Mm-hmm. I don't. I you know don't bear ill will toward him. Yeah, but he was. It wasn't like he was uh, a colorful. Outspoken, no, arrogant was, kind of guy. Do you want me to say he was classy? Is that what you want? You need to hear me say need, I, that Roger Staubach was classy, and therefore he is exempt from cowboy hate because that's what you appear to be driving me toward. I, I'm, I'm just, not going there. Okay, I'm just pointing out that he was a cowboy. Okay, I don't like them. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I've got it. Come back. We're going to talk to the great Brian Balding or get some Baldy breakdowns. The, the steam coming out of your ears is fogging up the windows well, here you're in the studio. trying to poke me a little bit. I know <laughs> I'm not trying to Saturday. poke you. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jawbox. You should like him. <laughs> no. I don't have to like him. I, again, I respect everything he did for the country. I bear him no ill will. Blah, blah, blah. You don't have to like Jerry Jones. You don't have to like Michael Irvin or Deion Sanders or, you know, any of those guys. I don't have to like any of them. Okay. Uh, I like Baldy. Yes, who played for the Cowboys? Yeah, so there but you also go. Also played for the Eagles. You, you like Brian Baldinger, don't you? Love him. Okay. Great guy. Great. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to him coming up. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now ninety four WIP. You know when John Madden calls you out uh, for That's for good work. High words of praise. Words good. of high praise from John Madden for Baldy. I, I found that on your Twitter feed, and uh, you ought to be proud of that moment. For God's sakes. Uh, that was, uh, hey, Glenn, hey. Mike, uh, good to be with you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was like way back before social media. So, you know, if you didn't watch the game, you never heard it. So, I don't know, people find these clips and they put it out there. So, you know, it's great. But, yes, when John talked about you, it, it was a big deal back, yeah. in, back in those days. We are joined by Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey original podcast, the best football show featuring daily breakdowns of all the most exciting moments across the league. So, Brian, you actually played for both teams, uh, and you also have a chance, more than most of us, to kind of look at the whole league. What's, in your viewpoint, because we've been discussing it this morning, what is the state of the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry in your mind? Oh, I think it's healthy. I think it's really healthy right now. Dak has a, a, a winning record against the Eagles as the quarterback. They have basically dominated the division since Dak took over, uh, whether it's the Cowboys or the Eagles. Um, obviously the Eagles have been much better in the playoffs, but you know, those two teams have gone back and forth winning the NFC East over the last eight years. So I think it's a healthy rivalry. Um, there's a reason why they put this game in prime time on Fox on 
Sunday afternoon right now. The whole nation will be watching. Um, I think this has a chance to to be a really, really entertaining, you know, classic matchup that may go a long ways to determine the outcome of this year's division. So, Baldy, I'm going to geek out with you on the offensive line in a minute, but I just kind of want to go a little big picture on the Cowboys. Uh, they are second in the league in points scored. They are fourth in points allowed. They've put up some some big numbers against some relatively bad teams. You know, kill the Giants in week one, beat up on the Jets, beat up on the Patriots. Take the temperature of them right now. You know, the Eagles are 7-1, and one, and yet around here, as I'm sure you know, people are kind of waiting for them to play what people would expect to be a complete game. What have you seen with the Cowboys, and kind of from a big-picture standpoint, how do these two teams match up? Well, they've been your classic front runners. You know, like just last week against the Rams, you know, they get a defensive uh, interception for a touchdown. They block a punt in the end zone for safety. I mean, they just rolled the, the Rams right out of there. Um, and that's kind of how they've been against the Jets and the Giants and, you know, other, you know, four teams this year. So, I mean, Jerry Jones came out and said it, I don't know, yesterday, the day before. He said, we need to win. You know, we, we need it. And all teams do. You, you know, you kind of – it's not a measuring stick or anything like that. You know, teams just need to beat good teams to feel good about themselves. And to sort of get themselves battle-tested for the big games that come in January. The Eagles have a bunch of those games coming up in the next couple of weeks, Buffalo and San Francisco and Kansas city. Um, you know, and so this is, this is a chance for the Cowboys to, you know, basically let the league know that don't think about the postseason without thinking about us. Don't think about the NFC East is, you know, also already given to Philadelphia. Like we have something to say about this and they do. And so I think it's a, you know, it's a big moment for the Cowboys to come into Philadelphia and try to earn a victory. Brian, uh, we're talking about Brian Baldinger. Follow him on Twitter, at BaldyNFL. You have a pinned tweet, uh, the MPP, the Micah Parsons problem. <laughs> and l- listen, last year the Eagles did a really good job against Micah Parsons, essentially just kind of running right at him. But what you say is, as good as he is, the problem is he's kind of alone out there. They don't get any interior pressure. Is that still a relevant issue? Well, they after I posted that, um, I did that before the draft, Glenn, like literally four days before the draft. And he needed help. And so they went out and drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round, but he hasn't really done much so far. He's not on the field very much. Um, he looks like he's kind of a project first rounder. They need somebody like Philadelphia has had, whether it's Hargrave or Carter or Fletcher Cox. I mean, Micah really hasn't had that type of interior pressure that the Eagles have had for a long time now. And so I feel like some days he is out there trying to do it all by himself. Now, Tank Lawrence is having a much better season. Um, Odigazoo is playing better. Uh, They've got good team speed on defense, but I think he needs help on the interior to really, uh, you know, really really make him even more special on the outside than he already is. And why did the Eagles do so well against him last year? He was not a big fact. Well, I'm talking the, the game that they won, not the game they lost, clearly. But he really wasn't much of a factor in that game. Can you see how they schemed it? Well, they ran the ball really well. And it wasn't like they just ran right at him. They ran away from him, too. You know, the Eagles, when they run the ball well, Glenn, they find one or two runs early in the game that uh, Nick or, you know, Brian Johnson, whoever's tone of plays, um, they'll repeat those plays over and over again. And typically, when that happens early in the game, like it did against the Cowboys last year, 
uh, they stay with it and they stay with the run. And they've, they really haven't stayed with it very often this year against the Jets. They came out throwing. They came out throwing last week. I mean, sometimes they just get on these game plans and they kind of get away from the run. But it's the best way. If you look at how the Arizona Cardinals, you know, beat the Cowboys this year, it wasn't. I mean, they just ran right at them, mm-hmm. ran for 220 yards. Um, that's what good teams do against them. And it sort of nullifies their team speed and their blitzing ability. And they like to play four safeties. And you want to, you want them to get four safeties off the field and get bigger people on the field than run right at them. So, Bro- Baldy, you went exactly where I wanted to take you. The Eagles haven't had uh, 100 yards rushing in a game in four weeks. And we know the Cam Jurgens isn't going to play again at right guard. And it's looking like, from every indication, that Tyler Steen is going to come in and play at right guard. How much of that upheaval on the offensive line is the cause of why the Eagles haven't run the ball as well lately? And do you think they will change either their production or their approach against Dallas? Well, I can't really say it's, you know, the change at right guard. Isaac Sayamalo is playing fantastic in Pittsburgh. They couldn't afford to keep him. Um, And, you know, that was a big reason why they ran so good last year. But, you know, I mean, look, Tyler Steen came in and played well last week for seven or eight plays, however long he was in there. I mean, it's the next man up. I mean, nobody does a better job preparing these guys than Jeff Stoutland. But, you know, like, you know, they they lost to the Jets. They came out throwing against the Jets. And I think they were just saying, okay, you know, Sauce Gardner's out. DJ Reed is out. Eccles is out. Um, they're taking cornerbacks off the practice squad and plug him in and play him. We're going to attack him in the pass. And so I think it's it's kind of a week-to-week game plan situation. I, I would throw it against the Redskins secondary, too, or the Commander's secondary. You know, they want to play one-on-one coverage against A.J. Brown. I'd probably throw it also. So I think a lot of it doesn't so much have to do with who's playing right guard. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with who they're playing. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on the offensive line, because um, you know Lane Johnson. You were working out with Lane Johnson. You were the person, I think, who told the world that Lane Johnson was going to play a couple weeks ago, and thank you very much. You've eased a lot of tension around here. Um, He's been hurt a few of the Cowboys games, and when he's hurt, they lose those Cowboy games. (laughs) Are we talking about the single most critical guy other than Jalen Hurts on the roster? Yes, I think so. You know, I mean, just, Glenn, if you just go back to the Jets game, Mm -hmm. when – you know, Lane got rolled up in that game on a run play, and, you know, he got taken off the field. They were really concerned about his ankle. I mean, it was an injury there. And, look, no offense to Jack Driscoll, who came in for him, but that's an elite pass rushing group that the Jets have, and you could pinpoint almost all of those. I'm not putting it all on Jack Driscoll. I mean, they, they turned the ball over four times that day. But, you know, the pass protection was not very good after Lane went out. Like, he's just that good. And, um, you know, the last sack I've seen him give up was against the Cleveland Browns week 11 in 2020. Like, he's just – he just eliminates players on that side of the field. And so, he is – I believe he is just that valuable. That team. Now, you could put Kelsey right in the same category. I mean, either one of them. Mm-hmm. They're just that good at their positions right now. We're talking to Brian Baldinger from Odyssey, from the NFL Network, from everywhere and anywhere you want good football analysis. Uh, Baldy, Jalen Hurts had a terrific game last week against Washington. He made one mistake. It was a big mistake, obviously fumbling at the goal line. But other than that, you know, from throwing the ball from the pocket, he seemed to be terrific. 
how much better or worse have has he been from the pocket this season compared to last season? Kind of what difference do you see in him? Uh, you know, an evolution or a regression or anything? How different is he this season compared to the guy he was a year ago? Well, he was really good from the pocket last week. I thought early in the season, I thought he was taken off too soon. It's just hard to protect as an offensive line when your quarterback is taken off for whatever reason, whether he feels like he's got a better play outside the pocket, um, seeing the field better, whatever, you know, just uh, cleaning things up. But I thought he was leaving too soon early in the season. I think this knee bruise is, you know, pretty severe. And I think it is limited from taking off. And then A.J. Brown is just – you know, I mean, look, I don't know what the commanders were doing last week. Like, it made no <laughs> sense how they were defending him. Um, you know, they put Emmanuel Forbes on him with no help, like, over and over again, or whoever, Kendall Fuller, whoever was playing the corner. Like, it just made no sense how they defended him. And so, look, it was pretty easy to stay in the pocket and, and make some of those throws. And some of those throws are off RPOs where he's really reading the defense and faking it to Andre Swift and, you know, and just basically deciding if he was going to give it or throw it. And he threw it a couple of times. So, but I, I thought he was really good from the pocket. I think some of it might, I don't think he's as mobile as he wants to be right now. Maybe mm-hmm. that will change this week. Um, you know, the, I think the, the bye week next week is going to really help him. Um, but he's improved in that area. There's no question about it. You, we, um, you mentioned A.J. Brown. I, I got to. We got to go back to that for one second because this is a, an historic run that he is on. This is the tear of tears. Um, do you see some other than he's great and that he and Hurts have a chemistry? Do you see something the Eagles are doing schematically to help make this happen? Uh, not, a, not a great deal, honestly, Glenn. I mean, he's basically an outside receiver. If he's lined up inside, you know something's going on. Like last week, he lined up inside once, and he ran a post corner against man coverage. And, you know, Jalen hit him mm-hmm. in stride for 20-something yards. But mostly he's an outside receiver. I mean, even if he's double covered, I mean, Jalen just trusts him. We saw it last year, if you remember the Pittsburgh game, he had the three touchdown catches. I mean, there's Minka Fitzpatrick in the middle of the field. Um, you know, it could have been a pick six, but it wasn't. It was a touchdown. So I just think he just has incredible strength, uh, timing on the leaps that he makes to go up and get the ball. And then he's just worked a lot this offseason on just his explosive starts coming out of breaks and stopping and starting and, and after the catch. And we're just seeing that right now. I think probably next to Tyreek Hill right now, um, he's the best receiver in football. And I think he's worked on it. The other thing is he's the one receiver on the team that catches everything with his hands. Yep. The yeah. ball never comes to his body. And as a quarterback, I know Jalen appreciates it, but as a quarterback, even against really good coverage, if you catch the ball away from your body with your hands, you're going to give yourself an advantage to catch the ball. I mean, defenders, especially with his size and strength, you're just going to have a hard time defending them. Baldy, last week against Washington, we saw Sam Howell be able to get rid of the ball and complete passes before the Eagles' pass rush could get to him. Based on what you saw, what was going on there? Was the rush not getting home? Was the coverage soft? Uh, And is this something to be worried about moving forward with respect to the Eagles' secondary? Well, I think it's something to worry about. I mean, they've given up 16 touchdown passes in eight games. That's not a statistic that anybody wants on the record, especially with the way they can rush the passer. So I think some of it is, you know, some of these guys are gambling. 
Um, there's been a lot of changes back there. And, you know, you can use that as an excuse to a degree. I mean, Kevin Byard gets, you know, basically traded for, and then he's playing. And so they've had a lot of changes back there. I don't know that they have found their nickel back yet. Um, you know, uh, Terry McLaurin has been an eagle buster since he came into this league. He gets behind the Eagles repeatedly. So I think some of it is the Eagles have to play better back there, and they're going to get tested against C.D. Lamb because he, he's the number one receiver in this league in the slot right now, and it's a weakness for the Eagles' position right now. Yeah. They put a lot of guys in there, Eli Ricks, uh, Bradley Roby, heck, Bradbury went in there. He was terrible in there in the slot. So they're trying to get that position fixed. The pass rush can overcome a lot of it, but if you get rid of the ball as quickly as Sam Howell did last week, then you better tighten up your coverage on the back end. All right, Baldy, last one. How do you see this one going down tomorrow? Well, I think the Eagles are a better team. I think they're better in the trenches. I think they're going to run the ball really well tomorrow. Um, they, they, the Cowboys lost Leighton Van Der Esch at inside linebacker, yeah. and yeah. they have compensated in different ways. And when they're getting takeaways like they got last week, you can overcome it. But I think it's a weakness, and I think linebacker position is a weakness. I, I think the Eagles are going to have a good day running the football. And so I think the Cowboys win this game in the trenches, and they continue their winning ways. Wait, the Cowboys wait, wait. or the Eagles? The Eagles. Okay. <laughs> uh, did I say the Cowboys? You did. You After yeah, all I, that, you let us up. We're all excited, and then you oh, dropped the bomb. Ball, Thank ball. you for straightening me out. No, I, no, I like, ball, I like the, the Eagles. I like the Eagles by a touchdown. Ba- Baldy, for a second there, I thought I was going to have to do the rest of the show by myself because Glenn, you no, gave Glenn a heart yeah, attack there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it means a lot. That. No, yeah. Baldy, listen, Thanks. we love you. We love the opportunity to talk to you uh, and uh, look forward to seeing you around one of these days. Thanks so much. Okay. Yep. Thanks, guys. You All bet. Right, Thanks, Baldy. That was Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Make sure follow the best football show with Brian Baldinger on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. He knows his stuff. He knows God, his yes. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, seriously, if, if you're going to make a list of the single best people to break down a game, he's he's on on one hand. Yeah, Duke guy. Duke guy. Can't go wrong with a Duke guy. Much like Robert Roger Staubach. <laughs> you just you have nothing as bad to say about him. Am I right, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> what are you <laughs> Now you're playing into what you know is my dislike for Duke. <laughs> I know. It, it, but they're really they, – listen, I love Baldy, so I'm not going to rip him. It's a I great know, university, but – you don't root for Duke no, basketball, do you? No, I do not. Okay. No, I do not. Yankees. Yeah, it's, Cowboys, like, it's like rooting for Duke, Apple. Yeah, right, no, uh, you don't root for Apple. <laughs> every once in a while, you see somebody, like, you know, on Twitter or social media, and, like, everybody lists the teams they root for. And it's always the one that's like, Yankees, Lakers, yeah. Cowboys, Duke. It's like, okay, we, yeah. know, we know you. Alabama football. Yeah. You know. All right, let's uh, get Mike and Yardley up here. Mike, you don't like the Cowboys, do you? No, no, no. I think one of my best calls ever uh, was seven or eight years ago when I said, you know, how do I hate the Cowboys? Let me count the ways. <laughs> and then quoted quoted the wrath of Khan and uh, oh my gosh. And Moby Dick. Yeah, wow. from hell's heart I stab at thee. With my last <laughs> breath I wow. spit at thee. Never so knew you'd have the, Ahab in today, did you? We we need more Melville on this show. I've I've been saying <laughs> that for for weeks. Nicely done. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, there's certain things you shouldn't talk about on sports radio, 
religion, politics, Phillies baseball. So it's great that we have a, a Dallas game to talk about. But I have decided that Jerry Jones is behind the, the uh, push to get rid of the tush push. And I don't have any evidence, but because I hate the Cowboys and hate Jerry Jones, I'm going to blame him for it. <laughs> it's good yeah, that you, they, Mike, it's good that you value uh, due process and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and evidence oh, yeah. so well, much. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a lawyer, but I don't have any evidence and I can't prove it, but I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. That's right. Uh, you know you what know, you know. In your heart, you know you're right. I know. In my heart, I'm absolutely certain that he's behind it because it hurts the, the Eagles and it, it doesn't hurt the Cowboys. If they could do it, we wouldn't be hearing this. That's right. You didn't hear it when uh, John Elway or Tom Brady were were doing quarterback sneaks that nobody. I love what Sir- Sirianni said this week in in Nick, one of Nick's um, newsers during the week. This came up, and he said, "You know, the tush pusher, if you want to call it. Actually, I think it was in his his uh, thing on WIP. The tush pusher, if you want to call it, the brotherly shove. I call it the quarterback sneak." Yeah. By the way, shout out to Mike from Yardley because between him and you in the in the minute and a half he was on the line, we got a Herman Melville reference, Moby Dick. Yeah. And I think you just made a Barry Goldwater reference. Yes, I did. In your 1964 heart, you know- campaign slogan for Barry Goldwater was because he he was um it was kind of divisive and he had a lot of uh very right-wing opinions, but their point was people may not want to say it out loud, but they agree with it. And so his campaign slogan was, in your heart, you know, you know he's, he's right. right. Look, I, I, give I think— you credit for knowing that. Well, I give ourselves credit for raising the level of discourse, yeah, sure. you know, in talk radio in Philadelphia. Uh, obscure 60-year-old political campaigns <laughs> is exactly where our audience hey, wants us to go. We're the show that you need Google and the Encyclopedia Britannica for, okay? <laughs> That's what people want. Yeah. Uh, Ryan in Wilmington. Uh, hey, Ryan. Hey, how you doing, guys? We're good. Hi, Ryan. First, want to say I'm a huge fan, and I listened all the way back to the beginning of the Ray Days' favorite uh, show on the on the station. Thank you. First time I've ever called. Oh, welcome aboard. Thank you for listening all that time, Ryan. Glenn, I can't tell you how much joy I take in listening to your hatred of the Cowboys. It, it puts a smile on my face every time. Twice a year, baby. <laughs> You know what? Someday I'm going to retire, but I will volunteer to work for free <laughs> those two weeks a year. Please, yes. please do that as opposed to just calling me up and ranting about yeah. the cows. Well, I may do that, too. Right. So, like you, I, I, I've definitely noticed that I, I don't think the Cowboys games have the juice they did back in the 90s or even in the, like, the early 2000s. So I want to part, impart a little wisdom on the younger generation that might have not seen enough years to kind of you know understand the hatred i'm a 51 year old man so i'm old enough to have seen a lot of ups and downs in both franchises over the years but the one thing i will always remember you know a lot of people don't remember that between the cowboys being great in the 70s and early 80s they were horrible in the late 80s horrible and i remember those were known as the halcyon days yeah, so I, I remember kind of losing my hatred a little bit for them during those years. No, 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 no. But then, but then when they won the Super Bowl in the 90s, I remember distinctly, I was in college at the time, and saying to myself, Ryan, 
never forget about your hatred for the Cowboys because I had taken it for granted for a while. I was like, no matter how bad they get in the future, remember this and hold that hatred. That's exactly. And that's it. And we got to go because we got to hit a break. But you really you hit the point, which is it ebbs and flows and they'll be good Mm -hmm. and they'll be bad. And, you know, it's like, why why do I care about the Cowboys? I care about the Niners. No, no, because the Cowboys will always be that team that when they get good, they'll come out of the forest, right? Those zombies will come out of the forest, and all of a sudden they'll be pumping up their chest and wearing their jerseys and so on. No, keep it. Keep it with you. Wear it every day. The hatred of the Cowboys must never dissipate. No, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) You always play it as I'm wrapping up. Yeah. All right, you got anything there? No, I'm I'm just I'm riding your wave, man. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up, a little what we're watching. Mike Sielski is watching a documentary that he really likes. He's going to tell you about that, and we'll tell you about uh, a sad passing of somebody who was a very important television character. And take your calls. I think I gave the number, but what the heck? Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Merrill Reese at noon. I know how he feels. Uh, Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack, now on ninety four WIP. All right, what we're watching, sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Buy a window or door. Get the second one and a half off with 18 months interest-free financing. Call Guida Door and Window at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at go-guida.com. Before we get into what you're watching, uh, a couple of things. You just heard the promo. I guess it didn't say the name of who's coming on the Midday Show this week, although you hear Yeah, it kind of gave it away. All right. Well, I have no idea who's coming on the Midday Show this week, but I will say that two weeks from today— on Saturday, in this very studio, you and I will be joined by one Angelo Cataldi. We will. At 11 o'clock for a full hour. Angelo's got his book coming out. Um, loud. loud. It's well-named. His, yeah. uh, his autobiography. Uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, you and I were just talking. I think the first thing that I'm going to do when I go to it is go to the index yeah. and say, like, <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? What does he I, say? I, I I have a uh, PDF version of the book, and yeah. that's exactly what I did. I right. did the Control F to search. Right? Is he going to rip me? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. But I'm uh, just very excited that he's got the book coming out. I haven't seen him in a long time. I'm looking forward to seeing him here. Um, kind of relevant to that tonight. What we're watching? Here's what you should be watching. Yes. Tonight, after the Flyers game on NBC Sports Philadelphia, scheduled for eleven o'clock, but Please, Flyers, don't go to a shootout. Tonight. Just like let's play a nice, <laughs> yes, quick, nice, clean, quick, right game. You know, five to two final. Either way yeah, is is good. Uh, quick. Uh, but at eleven o'clock tonight is a new episode of What's Brewing, PA, the fine beer show that we do, and you're my guest host this week. Again, by the way, the episode with Kate Scott was a blast. It was so much fun, and uh, thank you for asking me to do it, and the one that's going to air tonight was a blast as well. Yeah, we got great feedback for the episode with Kate Scott. We, we ate Halloween candy and drank beer. There are worse ways to spend an afternoon. And we did the uh, the beer basketball challenge. Of which I am the Delaware Valley King. You were great. You take a basketball, hold it in your two hands at shoulder height, you balance a can of beer on top of the basketball, you drop the basketball. The beer can's going to bounce. Who knows what direction? I don't want to give it away for people who haven't seen it, but you win. You did a great job, and you were the winner. So tonight uh, is a new episode that drops at 11. It's you and me and our pal Keith Jones, mm-hmm. uh, now president of the Flyers. I still 
Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an interesting line to walk when you're when I've talked with him about the team and about the franchise. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Um, but as part of that episode, we're going to be announcing uh, a new charity beer effort that I'm really excited to be involved with at Conchahawken Brewing Company, uh, benefiting Flyers charities. I, I want you to watch the episode, so I don't want to give away too much, but I think everybody's going to love the beer. Everybody's going to love the name, the person to whom it's dedicated, uh, the label. You saw the label. The label's terrific. Label's it really cool. is. Pretty yeah. cool. Uh, it's a lager. Mm-hmm, which I love. Yeah. I'm a big lager fan. It's actually, it's what we are calling a hockey lager. Yeah, so you just it makes you feel good and warm inside while yeah. you're watching the Flyers yeah. or the Red Wings or whoever. So as part of that, I'll, I just want to let's uh, conclude with this. We're going to have a big fundraiser at Conchhocken Brewing Company, um, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap, which is on DeKalb Street in Bridgeport. Wednesday, November 29th, that's the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, so it's still like four weeks away, um, almost four weeks away. And... Um, we're going to have all kinds of raffles and prizes and auctions. Jonesy's going to be there. But I know a lot of Flyers alum are, are going to be there. I've gotten some good names. Bernie, of course, is going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there. A lot of our colleagues at WIP. And Angelo Cataldi, mm-hmm. whose book is coming out, is going to do a book signing there that night. So people who want to get his books for the holidays will be able to do so. And I know you've got your Kobe book there. Yeah, and Ray Dittinger's going to be there with his books. <clears throat> yeah. So Man, it- I got an all-star lineup of Authors, you, you're going to put me in the middle, right? So that they get Ray first, yeah, and then they've got to go through me to get to Angela. Yeah, I don't want them like veering off yeah. after they get Ray and Angela. No, 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 like, no. You'll, you'll sell a lot of books that All right, night. good. Um, but I just want to say we're really excited. So please, uh, if you're a hockey fan, if you're a beer fan, and I do believe that Venn diagram has some overlap, just a tad, right. I would say. Uh, set your put put in your calendar November 29th. 6 to 9 p.m., Puddler's Kitchen and Tap. It's going to be the big, big party for our hockey charity release, and we would love everybody to be part of it. Okay, what we're watching, Mike Sielski, you started watching what uh, people are really, um, look. a lot of people are watching, a very popular documentary series. Yes, on Netflix, I have begun watching the documentary series Beckham about mm. an athlete you may have heard of, David Beckham, the soccer player, the husband of Victoria Beckham, a.k.a. Posh Spice. Uh, it's a four-part documentary series. Each episode is at least an hour, so it's going to take an investment of time for someone to finish the entire documentary. I'm about a quarter of the way through it, a little bit more than that. Glenn, it's really good. Uh, you and I have talked about previous Netflix documentaries on what we're watching and how whitewashed and saccharine yep. they have been. The Johnny Manziel one. Johnny Manziel one, the University of Florida football, all that kind of stuff. This is not that. It's directed by a guy named Fisher Stevens who has been part of Hollywood for a long, long time. He's been an actor. He's been a director. And one of the interesting things he does is there's a real fine line between showing a figure as a human being and doing what I just said these other documentaries have done, kind of whitewashing everything. You can go too far into uh, being sensitive to them, and you're changing the image of them. You're not giving a real picture of, of the figure in the documentary. This documentary so far is not doing that. And one of the cool things that, that Stevens does in directing it is he zooms the camera in on Beckham's face while Beckham is watching highlights of himself. And you can see his reaction kind of subtly 
to watching himself at age 21 hmm. playing soccer, age 18. That's interesting. Yeah, and what the sport means to him. And there are a lot of interviews with teammates and coaches and friends of Beckham who speak very openly about what he was like when he was becoming a superstar. And you'll have a juxtaposition of David Beckham saying, oh, you know, I, I felt like I handled the fame pretty well. And, and then you'll have his teammates saying, oh, no, there was a clear effect on the team. Um, and you could see how David was struggling with it and all of oh, that. So, so it's really balanced. Um, what comes through and is interesting to me is the first episode of it, uh, Fisher Stevens, the director, devotes a lot of time to how David and Victoria Beckham meet and their relationship. And maybe I'm a jaded guy who's been covering pro athletes for a really long time, and I know there's some rumors swirling around these two with respect to their marriage. But they really seem to genuinely love each other. Nice. And have from the moment they met. And I think that's part of what's driving the interest in the documentary is that it's not just about sports. It's about how do you as a elite multi-million dollar athlete maintain relationships that matter to you. And I think people are going to get a lot out of it. I give it three, three and a half stars out of four. Oh, nice. How many parts? Four parts, each at least an hour. So it's going to take some time to get okay. through, but I think it's worth it. It's all right. That's good. That's good. Um, there was another thing that happened this week that was fascinating to me in how it impacted a lot of people, but I am not among them. Matthew Perry who was uh, one of the stars of Friends, died in his home last Saturday. Uh, he's just 54 years old, for God's sakes. And he, he had his demons and his addictions and his problems yes. over the years uh, and really fought to overcome them really publicly in, in, a, in a very courageous way. Um, I did not watch Friends. I mean, in my life, I probably watched a half a dozen episodes when there was nothing else on, and it mm -hmm. just didn't really resonate with me. But I know it did with you, and it did with so many people. Yeah, it, it resonated a lot with people of my generation. I was in college at the time that Friends came on TV and became a blockbuster hit. And you had kind of the, the two stars of that show ultimately were Matthew Perry and Jennifer Aniston. And at the time in college, the Rachel like haircut became yeah. a big thing, right? All the girls I went to yeah. school with at LaSalle wanted to get the Rachel cut. <laughs> and the other part of it that lasted and lingered was... Matthew Perry's character of Chandler Bing. There was something about this show that kind of captured the feeling that people of my generation had at that time, where family size is shrinking and the people who become your family are your friends. They're the ones who you're hanging out with in the dorm room or you're hanging out with on Friday and Saturday nights and you become aunt or uncle to their kids. And so that show resonated for a lot of us. And the fact that Matthew Perry played that character the way he did, so sarcastically and so funny, in the same way that you talk about Seinfeld influencing the language and the lingo oh, yeah. of our culture. Oh, yeah. Forward. I mean, more people still use so many, you know, right. master of your own domain and shrinkage and all those things exactly. from Seinfeld that people still refer to. Well, there to. are still thousands of people who are sarcastic in the way Chandler Bing was sarcastic. He almost created a way of delivering a funny line. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what resonated with people with his death, not just the demons and the addictions that he was that he was struggling with. It was that he created a character that's going to kind of last forever. Um, yeah. And and he he created himself just with his own talent as an as a comedic actor. Yeah. Very sad because, uh, again, he had he had fought stuff and uh, I guess he drowned. He had a, he had a heart 
uh, either a heart attack or something happened. Something when happened he was, where he drowned. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just a shame. But very very well said by you. Thanks. Uh, let's get Ricky in Easton. Rick, Gentlemen, it's Eagles Cowboy saw, Week. Rick, how you doing, my friend? All right. I just hey. saw something just as fun funny as Seinfeld. I saw three people trying to bounce a beer can on a basketball, <laughs> catch it, and drink it. And how many of them pulled it off, Rick? Such a riot. I know who won that. All right. Such a riot. Guys, that was, that was priceless. It Thank was you. fun. Thank you. Great show. Great show. Thanks. So, anyway, by the way, from one fellow author to another, you don't want to poke fun at you, Glenn. I oh, that's know okay. If 20% of the people in, in sports radio town in Philadelphia understand the word divisive. But I love your knowledge for the English dictionary. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anyway, uh, you know, guys, I'll tell you, being 65 years old and see, being the only generation of my family who's seen seven championships, seven rings, my, uh, but we do raise our children correctly. Both my children hate the Cowboys, and my four-year-old, when I see you sometime, guys, I'll show you the video, my four-year-old granddaughter who also is a daughter of a Cowboys fan. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. I allowed that because it's fun postseason to make fun of him the last 20 years. She sings the Eagles fight song and ends it with Dallas sucks. Four years old. So I'm doing my grandfatherly and fatherly duties. It's fine work. But I have to say something, Glenn, and I know you're from here. You're here from Buffalo. I, over the years, have slowly lost my hatred and importance of this game for one reason. Being that I only saw seven rings in how many years, we can't lose what the prize is all about. It's all about rings over what, beating why, the why would one be mutually exclusive from the other? Why because can't you Ryan, have your eye on the ring and know that the Cowboys are the Buddy evil Ryan, empire? Yeah, because Buddy Ryan sold this city on I will never lose to the Cowboys, and he delivered, but we had no rings. But now in the era of us being 3-8 and eight against the Cowboys the last 11 games, we have a Super Bowl championship, and we have a Super Bowl appearance, and they're close to 30 years of not being back to the big game where the prize is. Yeah. They're getting close to Flyers and Sixers but, now. But, well, but I, I don't no, – and thank, oh, thanks as always, Rick. But I'm, always I'm, good to hear. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm – not, I'm not – I don't see that. He makes a good point, though. It is almost like the inverse of what was happening in the uh, in the early '90s. The Eagles would beat the Cowboys in the regular season. The Cowboys would win the Super Bowl. I moved to Philadelphia uh, same year as Buddy Ryan mm. uh, to write for the Inquirer. And one of the first stories I ever did for the Inquirer was they had me go to a Ribbit restaurant. If you remember, oh, yeah, Ribbit, I remember Ribbit? Right? Sure, down like right around here, down like 17th and Chestnut. I forget where it was, but right down here. And Buddy Ryan did his live radio mm-hmm. show there. Um, and hold on, I got a cough. Excuse me. Five weeks I've had this cough. Mm-hmm. I'm getting over it. Anyway, so Buddy Ryan's got his radio show, and they wanted me to like write on you know this new coach with his radio show and do the color and so on. And it was great because it was really colorful, and yeah. he was you know terrific. Was Buddy, he right. delivered was, the goods. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was the easiest story I ever wrote. But there was a woman wearing a T-shirt that said. Um, I hate two things. Um, no, I love two things, the Eagles and whoever beats the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, she was jumping up and down in the T-shirt, which I like. You know, wrote about the color of the T-shirt bouncing around, which, yeah. was, which was fun. <laughs> and Buddy Ryan sees the T-shirt. He had been here, you know, just like he had come mm-hmm. in that year. And he goes, that's right, that's right. And, like, 
he got it and bought into the hatred of the Cowboys more than any coach ever did. And he would never touch it. Right. That's a divisional game. It's a, every game's important. Right? Um, Nick, early on, got himself in a little bit of trouble yes. with beat the Cowboys, and then he didn't, and then it's like he learned no more of those T-shirts. Yeah, he wore beat Dallas heading right. into week three in his first year, yeah. season, and they got their doors blown off. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's if, if I'm going to pick a nit with Nick, that's the nit I would pick. Boy, that sounds like try a, saying that a five tongue times twister. Fast. Right. Um, if I could pick a nit with Nick, the nit that I would pick, but the nit would be <laughs> whatever. I couldn't do it again. Um, but that's just it. Is that I, I do think he's a little too emotional, a little too demonstrative, needs to mature a little bit when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, and I think he has a little bit because he's not doing it this week. Yeah, but Buddy was the guy, and the fans loved him for it. And and I think our, our Rick, our caller, was correct. It didn't help him. No, in it. But I saw it. I don't think it was the first time he ever did it, but I saw him that night with that woman on the radio mm-hmm. and just kind of like knowing that if he could, if he got the fans geeked up against Dallas, mm-hmm. it would help him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time in the city's cultural history, I'd say, because yep. Buddy comes along when this station is coming along at the uh, same time. And uh, it's it was a marriage. Yeah, it oh, absolutely yeah. was. The, the the two fed off each other and complimented each other. All right. I got to hit a break here because I'm way late for one, two, one, five, five, nine, two, ninety four, ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors because cold, long winter's rolling in. The great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. Need to replace all the windows and doors in your house? Well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down, interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free no obligation in home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go G U I D A dot com. Well, that was uh, one of four he threw last week. He was pretty good. He was pretty good, but there are concerns, Mike Sealski, and we're going to discuss that with Dr. David Gell, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint. How are you doing, Doc? Pretty good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing hey, doctor. all right. So, Doctor, I have been writing a fair bit about Jalen hurts his bone bruise in his knee, and it sounds mm-hmm. like it's fairly serious. It certainly seems to be inhibiting him at least a little bit on the field. What is it? What is an athlete dealing with with a bone bruise? Are we talking about just pain and you kind of have to grit your teeth and bear it? Is there something that can lead him to uh, or allow the, the injury to heal a little bit, the bruise to heal a little bit? Where do we stand with this thing? Yeah, with uh, with bone bruises, it's it's difficult. Um, sometimes I tell uh, my athletes, sometimes it's even better to ha- sometimes even have a fracture than a really bad bone bruise because it can take a long time to recover. It's really more let, let pain be its guide as far as you know, depending on the severity of it. But you don't see bruising on the skin; it's actually more on the bone when an MRI sort of lights up like a Christmas tree, um, and you just have to let it heal. Um, however, during the football season, it's difficult to do that because then you just fall on it or you get hit, and then you can just flare it up again. So. It's going to be something that's going to be uh, nagging him for a bit. You know, hopefully things will continue to improve and, you know, day by day it will get better. You know, he's going to have a brace for some protection. Um, but as long as there's not any structural abnormalities or issues, then 
just sort of, uh, you know, let pain be his guide and try to play. Is there the potential for it to lead to uh, a more severe injury? Uh, it, it can. Obviously, it can affect his mobility and can uh, change his mechanics. Um, sometimes when you have a really bad bone bruise, you get a, a technical term called an insufficiency fracture, which is like a sort of like a just a significant bone bruise, well, almost like a fracture in itself, but it's not you know, technically a fracture. Um, the fact that he's able to play and he's fairly mobile and is running, I don't feel it's that significant. Um, but again, if he hits it again and then he can aggravate it, then you know, it's just a vicious cycle. So hopefully, you know, it'll be okay for the next couple of weeks. And then with the bye coming up, we'll have it be okay. That's my question. The bye is obviously the biggest thing going, right? Get through Dallas, then you got two yeah. weeks to let this thing recover. Uh, absolutely. All right. So, in your medical opinion, uh, what is the state of the Eagles Cowboys rivalry? So I was listening earlier, and you know, I have one A and one B. For you know, me. I respect That's you very hate. much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Don't let me lose too. that right now. Uh, yeah. So my disdain for uh, the Cowboys and Duke are like one and one A. So um, wow, peas in a pod here, Doc. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, a, I'm a Carolina alum, so Duke is you know, even higher up than the, than the Cowboys. I think, but they're both pretty. Uh, Pretty miserable teams. You come upon both of these very honestly, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay, we know that. Very much right. so. Doc, it is always our pleasure to talk with you. You're the best. All right, go birds. All right, go All birds. Right. Thanks, Doc. There you go. I love that, Doc. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I, 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 Doc and I should go to dinner. You I, should. Yeah, I, I, you just, I, I would hang with you. Know. I remember that time Duke won the national championship. That was the worst. Yeah, yeah he's the greatest. Uh, Roger in South Philly. Now, Roger, you remember that Buddy Ryan Ribbit show? I do, and, you know, it started with uh, Steve Fredericks, and then Don yes. Henderson took over. It was Steve and Fredericks I, when I, I went and wrote the story for the Inquirer. That's right. Right, and the, the classic uh, call that I've ever heard, and um, you may or may not agree, was Buddy's last show. And uh, Don will talk about it. Uh, Don's had some health issues. He's 90 years old, but uh, he's still going strong in many ways. So, anyway, a guy calls in. And he says, hey, Coach, Randall can't get in his house. And, you know, Buddy said, what do you, what do you mean he can't get in his house? His front yard's an end zone. Oh, man. I just thought that was the, one of the funniest calls and loss I had heard. Just when you're driving and a guy can make a call. Yeah, you get like, a laugh. I get it. You get a good laugh. Let me tell you I have one quick story. Steve Fred, the late great Steve Fred, mm-hmm. actually, and I. I had the pleasure of working with Steve here at WIP, and Steve was – I, I loved him. Steve was a fun guy, a funny guy, a guy who, who had his demons as well and mm-hmm. really fought to overcome those. So um, Steve had a heart attack and was in the hospital and was laid up, and Buddy came to visit him. And, wow. uh, well, that's the start of it. Oh. And Buddy says, you know, what can I do for you? For the next week, Buddy Ryan either personally went to Steve's house or made sure that somebody from the Eagles went to Steve's house to walk his dog. Oh, my gosh. And it was more than once Buddy Wow. that went out to Havertown to walk Steve's dog. Wow. Yeah. What a great story. And and it's like, you know, a lot of people view Buddy on, on the surface as a nasty guy and a bully, and Buddy was a lot of things. But Buddy was had that in him, too. You know what it makes me think of? And I don't mean to steal something from what our producer, Ben Kenny, was probably going to mention during what we forgot to talk about. But you know what that story makes me think of? What? Bob Knight. 
the duality of the bully and although yeah. I'm much more of viewing Bob Knight as the bully and the not so great human being, but you hear an awful lot of people talk about Knight. And, yeah, you know he he also did a lot of good things for people he cared about and. You know. I only ever had two encounters with Bob Knight. They were both in a group setting. One was a major news conference. Or not a major news conference. It was like a post-game news mm -hmm. conference. Uh, one was I was working on a story on Bill Frieder, who was then the yeah. Michigan coach, uh, and you know, wanted to get his perspective. So it was, it was like a midweek small press mm -hmm. scrum. And both times he just like went out of his way to be nasty to people and yeah. belittle people, yeah. and, and really for no apparent reason. Because he could get away with it. Because yeah. he knew he had power and they didn't. And yeah. that's the only Bob Knight that I know. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the opinion like, oh, yeah, but he did great things. I'm, I'm sure he did. But, again, yeah. you only go on your own experience. Full-time genius, frequent jerk. Did we steal one from you there, Ben? No. Actually, I thought we were going to talk Duke National titles, like in 2015 when Coach K paid the refs at halftime. Oh, to beat Wisconsin because uh -huh. you're a Wisconsin alumnus. Oh, oh yep. We're going to spend the next hour talking about uh, Bo Ryan, Chester oh, I, native, by the way. And uh, who's uh, the guy, Frank the Tank? What was the his, only what was Ryan we discussed yes. today is not Bo. It's Buddy. Yes. Cowboys We've got to go to a break. We've got Merrill in here. 215-592-9494. The great Merrill Reese coming up next on 94 WIP. Well, that is uh, 2008, and we talked about this game earlier. It was the last game of the regular season, all odds against the Eagles going into the day that they would make the playoffs. Turns out that Eagles-Cowboys is for the division in the playoffs. Smoked them 44-6, to and Merrill Reese joins us now, the voice of the Eagles for, oh, so many years. Um, Merrill, I don't know if you have a favorite Eagles-Cowboys game in history. That's, I do. That's mine. What's yours? Oh, Glenn, mine has got to be January 11th, 1981. Yeah. Sure. The NFC Championship. I mean, that was the biggest day. It was bitterly cold at the Veterans Stadium, and everybody in the world thought the Cowboys were going to just eat the Eagles up. And that was a 20-7 to 7 win. And it was just when I saw Wilbur Montgomery explode in the first quarter behind the blocks of Woody Peoples and Jerry Sizemore, and as I saw that 31 head into the end zone, I knew and everyone in the world knew that the Eagles were going to Super Bowl 15. Now, I don't remember a thing about Super Bowl 15. <laughs> <laughs> Never occurred. Do Never occurred. Do you remember everything about anything about Super Bowl 57, Merrill? Yeah, uh, 57? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember the way it ended. Yeah, the, unfortunate. The, the disappointment of seeing a game snatched away, having a lead and having it right there and then it just the lead just dissipated and before you knew it the, you know i've told people that the greatest feeling in the world i'm sure as a fan and a broadcaster and a player is to wake up the way we did on february the 5th after super bowl 52 and realize that you were super bowl champions and the worst feeling worse than any single season of playoff loss is to wake up the morning after the super bowl and realize that that you blew it yeah well, we know that. Yeah. So, all right. So, Merrill, given that context, I am curious as to your answer to this question. I feel like, and Glenn and I talked about this earlier on the show, I feel like there hasn't been enough attention paid to the ramifications of tomorrow's game, how much it would mean to the Eagles to win, and how much, honestly, it would mean to the Cowboys if they were to win, because there's a very good chance if the Cowboys win tomorrow that... The Eagles will come back from the bye week in second place in the NFC East. So mm -hmm. 
what's your feeling about the game? Do you feel confident? Is there a nervous excitement on your part? Kind of where are you at, you know, coming up on 24 hours before kickoff? Well, I, I think it's a tough game, and, and I think it's a game that could go either way. And, yes, I mean, to be realistic, it means more to the Cowboys at this point than it does to the Eagles because if the Eagles win, it really puts the Cowboys behind the eight ball. It, it really does because the Eagles are going to be, at that point, 8-1, and one, and the Cowboys are going to be 5-3, and three, and that's a big difference. But if the Cowboys win, you're right. It could put the Eagles in second place after the Cowboys beat the Giants next week, going into the bye week for the Eagles. And and it really – and you don't know how these things go in the next five or six weeks. People talk about Buffalo and San Francisco. Who knows who's going to be healthy for the Eagles or for the Bills or for the 49ers? That changes every week and has a dynamic effect on what the outcome is going to be. But at least if the Eagles win this game, they have a little cushion. And if they don't, they really don't have much cushion. I don't believe there is anybody walking this earth who has seen more Eagle games than you, Merrill Reese. I mean, you've broadcast them for, what, 46 years now, two a year? 40, this is my 47th. 47th, This okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Two a year, occasionally more. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, you watched it growing up and so on. Um, what is, so you're the guy to ask this question because there's a lot of debate on WIP this week about the state of the rivalry and, uh, some of the younger hosts saying like, yeah, Dallas, it's not really a thing. Uh, in your opinion, Merrill Reese, in your esteemed opinion that I respect probably more than anybody else. Well, you're laying it on. I'm speaking honestly, (laughs) but I am laying it on. What is the, I know you're not minding. What is the state of the rivalry right now? Oh, I think it's as great as ever. Thank I, you. It's always been good. It's always been good. But when they're both good teams, and these are two very good teams, it even heightens. I think the state of the, the rivalry is as great as ever. I mean, it began. People think it began with Dick Vermeule. It didn't. It began when 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 Leroy Jordan kicked out Timmy Brown's front teeth. Right. In 1961, I think it was. That's when the real rivalry began, and uh, there have been period of time when it was kind of a, a very painful rivalry because we're the only one who felt it was a rivalry. Whoever was good in the NFC East thought it was their rivalry, whether it was the Giants or Washington. But this time, it, it's great because they're two really good teams. Merrill, being around the franchise for as long as you have in the way that you have, have you picked up on how much playing the Cowboys and beating the Cowboys meets means internally to the players and the people in the organization, and has that changed at all over time? I don't know. Uh, I think in the organization it has, uh, but your 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 great team, your roster is comprised of guys from all over the country and all kinds of different backgrounds. So whether it means the same, say to a, a second year Eagle who's been around but grew up as a fan of say the Rams whether a fan of the Bears, I don't think it means to them every game is important. That's what Nick Sirianni preaches, that he doesn't change this week because it's the Cowboys. He'll let the fans do that on Sunday. But I think when you're around this team and when you're with this team for a while, I mean for Jason Kelsey, for Brandon Graham, for for these longtime Eagles, yes, they they are really gripped by the rivalry. But for guys who have been here a couple of years and grew up someplace else, 
it can't. It has to set in. Yeah, the A.J. Brown thing was interesting. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a thing? Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing, and if he's, yeah. you know, And if A.J. Brown stays here for three, four, five years, sure. he'll get it the way you, you mentioned Kelsey gets it. Lane Johnson gets right. it. Right. Those guys get it. Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure, but, but you look at A.J. Brown, that's okay if he doesn't get it, as long as he keeps right. totaling over right. 125 that's, receiving yeah, yards. That's all game. we ask. I don't care if he ever gets it. Right. Just do that every know, week, and we'll be fine. No problem. You know, he, he plays every game with tremendous passion, tremendous talent. That's fine. But I do believe that after a while being here, he can't help but become part of it. Sure. Um, Cowboys-Giants, uh, my esteemed colleague Ike Reese, as Giants are a big arrival, and I think it's because when he played, uh, it you know the games meant more. Where do you? How do you rank one versus the other? Oh, this is it. I mean, it's Cowboys. It's Cowboys. No, no doubt about it. I mean, for, there are times when the Eagles Giants mean a lot. It means a lot because the Giants at that point were good teams. I mean, the Giants won the, the two Super Bowls, and and they were tough every single year. But there's nothing that compares to the Cowboys. We know that. Our fans know that. It's still Eagles-Cowboys. This is going to sound really dumb, Merrill, but why? What is it about the Cowboys? Well, there are a lot. Maybe, as I said, it goes back to Leroy Jordan kicking out Timmy Brown's teeth. It it turns out, I mean, what bothers me is – people from Philadelphia wearing Cowboys garb and becoming Cowboys fans. I see. I, I think that shows a character flaw. Um, it, it does. I don't have any problem with Cowboys fans who are from the Southwest. I don't have any problem at all. If you grew up in Dallas or Fort Worth or any of those places, and you're a Cowboys fan. You should be a Cowboys fan. If you're Chicago, you should be a Bears fan, but here real Eagles fans have tasted so much pain over the years but they still go out there. They're still at the stadium, rain, sleet, whatever. When the team is one and eight, they're still out there hoping that this is the week that everything turns around. Eagles fans are really, really special. The other thing is it's a resentment because the Cowboys were good for so long. And how how much does it bother us to hear them called? When they started coining that, America's team, America's team. Yep. I thought it was Tex Schramm. Uh, who who mm-hmm. coined that? Because he was a great promotional man. Uh, I was on the, on a podcast with the Brad Sham, the Cowboys' great announcer, the other day, and he said that's not true. No, it's not true. The, it, uh, it was Ed Sable. Yes. Well, who, it, it was NFL a guy who worked Films. for it was a guy who worked for Ed Sable. Yeah, it was NFL Films. Yeah. Our local Mount Laurel, New Jersey, our backyard. It was a writer at NFL Films who did, Ed had to approve it, obviously. But yes, mm-hmm. which makes it hurt even more. Sure. So, so we hear this America's team all the time. So there's a natural resentment. So, all right, Merrill, let me play a little devil's advocate with you. The Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in nearly 30 years. They haven't even reached an NFC championship game in nearly 30 years. The Eagles, by pretty much every measure, have been the better franchise, you know, you could say for the last decade, you could say if you stretch it back farther than that and further into the into the past, you could argue that. So why bother getting so worked up about them? Because it's in our DNA. <laughs> <laughs> because we were born that way. That's right. Because we've learned to despise the star on the side of the helmet. Because they always seem so superior in the way they act and in the way they talk. 
not necessarily on the field, but there's something that always goes on the week of an Eagles-Cowboys game, whether it's the ridiculous statement from Micah Parsons egging on Cowboys fans to fill up the stadium. How are they going to get tickets? Yeah, good luck. They're not going to get tickets. <laughs> That's right. And yet there'll still be a couple dozen people wearing Cowboys jerseys. But that happens. That happens. But listen, this, this, this stadium is going to rock tomorrow. And most of the Eagles fans are going to be in Kelly Green, which I've seen more and more each week. This is the this is the best team. This is the most enjoyable franchise. These are glory years for the Eagles. And the way this team is being built and continues to improve, it's going to go on for many years to come. I just love this franchise. Merrill, you're a brilliant man. I just want you to know that. Uh, before we let you go, and I know you don't do predictions. I'm not going to ask you to do predictions. But what do you see as the two or three key factors in this game? Well, you ask me that every week. Uh, I know on, we're going to sneak on preview now on your wonderful pregame show. Thank you. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you number one. Number one in the key to this game is to win the turnover battle. And I think that I really think that Nick hit the nail on the head yesterday when he had a picture of Bobby Knight uh, that somebody had sent him, and it had a, a sign on Bobby Knight's wall, and it says victory goes to the team that makes the fewest mistakes, uh, favors the team that makes the fewest mistakes. You can't keep turning the ball over, and the Eagles are right now minus three in turnover differentials, and the Cowboys are plus six. You've got to cut this out. No more sloppiness. Ball security will be the number one key to this game. Um, I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it no, really I, is I, true. I, you cannot afford to do what you, you you're not going to get away with those right. turnovers no. with them as you have in previous weeks. And by the way, it killed you against the Jets. The only loss. Sure. For minus four in turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to work. All right. Merrill, uh, I so look forward to uh, talking to you more in the pregame show, listening to you tomorrow during the game. Uh, it is one of my two favorite weeks of the season, and it's more so because you're part of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, may the next maybe may, may the next 24 hours pass very, very quickly because I am raring to go. Oh, I know. I, I, I didn't get that sense at all from you, Merrill. I don't know. You seem pretty placid to me. I love it. I know hey, you do. Don't 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 tell the people at WIP, but I would pay to broadcast. I paid them to let me broadcast this game. Yeah, I think David Yadgaroff just uh, yeah. drove off the road here in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Merrill, be well. That. We'll talk to All you tomorrow, right, pal. Care, guys. All right, see take you care, Merrill. Thanks. There you go. The greatest. He is. Between him and you this morning, it has been energy, pure, yes. 100% pure energy. Because the And I will always be that way for Cowboy Week. Always. And I always have. I mean,. It's Cowboy Week, for God's sake. Cowboy Saturday. So here's what he said. Was that me? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was going into our first break. That that was like Randy Macho Man Savage there. Snapping to a Slim Jim. Cowboys Week. Nowhere. Can, I, like, you can, know, can, I hear, can I hear that again? Yeah. Cowboy Saturday. Wow. I'm You're like Mike and Glenn, WIP, <laughs> and then that comes out. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm normally pretty, you know, reserved. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, thank you. Uh, so Merrill said, people from Philadelphia, when I see people from Philadelphia wearing Cowboys jersey and garb, mm -hmm. that shows a character flaw. Yeah. And let me just say, he could not be more correct. I, I'm, I'm torn about this, not with respect to the Cowboys, but, but more because 
I have a son who is a huge sports fan, but not a huge Philadelphia sports fan. I know. So there's a part of me that like admires the independence of thinking, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, he hasn't picked any franchises that are yeah the, the enemy of the state, the, the enemy of the state, or the the franchise that wins all the time, right? If he had become a Patriots fan during the Tom Brady era, that would be different. Yeah, he chose his by colors, and and when you're young, that's, but he stuck that's with it. Cute. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. stuck with it though. You got to give him credit for that, Glenn. I. I'm not going to enter a strong opinion into that. He's your son. He's not my son. He's you know free to do what he wants, and so I'm not. I'm not going to offer a strong opinion. If he were a cowboy fan, I think you would kick him out of fatherly the fatherly deed. Well, <laughs> would, you know, he's your son. You had, would influence him. But if he likes the, the, the what the Falcons and the Diamondbacks because he loved red, it's like okay, whatever. Yeah. You hope you hope at some point it, it is genuine fandom though. Like you yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, I, I watch yeah. watching him watch a game is like performance art. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, he gets cool. into it. Oh, man, he must have just been broken up this week. Yeah, he was. He was. Yes, very when much When you so. see your team lose the World Series for the first time. How old is he? He's 12. Too old to cry? Uh, no. Okay. No. Well, that's fine. You're supposed Listen, I think we all have been through the, the thing of when your team loses a championship for the first time and you absolutely believe that it's going to win that championship. You cry. And it's it's a rite of passage. Yeah, I did it with the Buffalo Bills in 1966, whatever 67, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid. Right. I um, did it last week. I'm still doing it, to be honest. With, with the, the Phils? Phils? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The '93 Phils got me <clears throat> there. Like, right. I was a freshman in college, and I was like, oh, you yeah. Know, I was running. Well, that one ended. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But I remember that, and and. I just think that's like that's supposed yeah. to happen. You're supposed to. Yeah, welcome, right. son. Now you've you know you've you've earned your stripes. So if right. your kid is is, and hopefully you're not embarrassing by saying this because we've all done it. We've all done it. Yeah. Right. But if he's if he's kind of breaking down because his team was supposed to win it, then it's like yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's part of being a fan. Yeah, that's part of being a fan. It's part of caring, and that's the risk of caring. Uh, that's well put. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four two one five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four. Take your calls coming up uh, here. We got Go Birds Radio at eleven. Elliot and James at okay. one o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did I say? Eleven. Yeah. Okay. We're way Sorry. past that. One o'clock. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, eleven o'clock Mountain Time. Um, yeah. Can we discuss this NBA tournament nonsense? And will you be able to explain it to me in a way that makes me? think it's anything other than stupid well first of all it's america we can do whatever we want and secondly sure i'll give it a shot we'll try okay on the other side and we look forward to talking to you on 94 wip mike sealski glenn mack now we are 28 hours away kickoff eagles cowboys (laughs) can't wait it is a a fun game to cover every single year oh yeah Yeah, i mean you get you you do feel a difference you know at the link and in the press box it does matter a little bit yeah, and and uh, you know when we came on, we were talking about how um, you know there there were among some less juice for the game this week, but I will tell you the sixty eight thousand mm-hmm. people who will be there tomorrow, there will be no less juice. No, no, and as we've said, it's a really big game, yeah, with really big implications for the season, and the Eagles kind of need to win it. Is it all hands on deck for the Enquirer tomorrow? We're gonna have like six or seven people there. Writing, yeah, good. You know, good. Um, I, 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 seriously, uh, all the coverage that that newspaper can do, I'm ready for it. Yeah, that's that's what we do now. Is you take a big event and you just throw resources. Yep, at good. It, you know, so. I like it. Uh, okay, 
I don't understand this thing even a little bit, and you're smart, so I'm hoping you can tell me why I would give two fingernail clippings <laughs> about the NBA in-season tournament. Okay. So let's get first to why they're doing it. They are doing it in part because the NBA regular season just doesn't seem to matter very much anymore to the players and to most people other than those participating in a daily fantasy NBA league. The other aspect of it, too, is that I believe the NBA's TV rights deal expires in 2024 after the 2024-2025 season. Uh, this was written about on the ringer.com. And so they want to try to diversify what the league offers to try to coax as many potential rights holders and partners to get interested. You know, is it going to be Amazon? Is ESPN going to take on a bigger piece? Would NBC be interested? All that kind of stuff. So that's why they're doing it. Feels to me kind of artificial, uh, like a like a gimmick to just gin up interest. Gimmick. Yes, gimmick. Uh, yeah, so look, teams have 80 games built into their schedule right now, and they're going to add at least two more depending on how this tournament goes. It's already started. It's going to run through December, and you know the Sixers start playing these games next week. They okay. have one against the Pistons, one against the Pacers. Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's a soccer thing, and I'm not I'm not here to rip soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but my understanding is that when soccer does it, they play against teams in different leagues. Yeah. Well, I think just, so. Okay. Yeah, you're just doing it with the so other teams. So other than other than, they painted the courts. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it looked like uh, something out of a Grateful Dead album. Or something. Yeah, I don't even know how you see the ball in yeah. some of these things. <laughs> right. Other than that, why is this different than Friday? Because the there's going to be prize money for the teams and players, right? Okay. So what you're telling me is. The players are going to make more money for this. I believe it's up to $500,000. I think so, yes. Okay, so the players are going to make more money, so they're going to care more about it. Right. So what does that tell you about the other 80, well, however many games, normally 82 in a season, the other 80 games that you're getting tickets for that those don't matter? Yeah, they don't care as much. They don't care as much. Well, then why am I going to those games? Good question. This is the You have identified the conundrum at this core of this, this tournament. All right, so here's what I think they should do. Okay. And 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 I, I really think this my idea is much smarter than theirs. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna do some manufactured thing during the season to cr- to try to create interest where interest is flagging, rather than give the players more money, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody rants players are overpaid, and so right. they're the best in the world at what they do. The league makes this much money. I don't, I, yeah. I get as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care, but. I also don't see like why they should make more money for this game than the game that I'm paying money to see mm-hmm. three days earlier. Right. Because then the game I'm seeing three days earlier is stupid. Here's what they do. You take all this money and you give it to the fans of the team that wins. Mm. That's what you do. I'm not exactly sure do you give it to the season ticket holders, you give it to people who attend those games. I, I don't know exactly how to work it, but you want to get people interested in your league, you can pay your fans money. The money's there to pay. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how, it, like, what that arena would be like? Yeah. Sixers down one, 30 seconds to play. If Embiid scores this thing, I get 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the answer. And, and it would, in theory, it would strengthen the connection between the team and its fan base, right? And, oh, you know, yes. In cities where you need it. Yes. You know, yes. In a, in a, 
in an NBA town where the team's pretty good and interest isn't great, you know, I don't know, Oklahoma City, something like a smaller market team, I, I think interest is pretty high in the Thunder in Oklahoma City. But say, same principle applies. Mm-hmm. Like, you're forming a bond between the team and it, its fans. You're really playing for me now. Right. But here's the thing. Here's why that won't work in the NBA in the way that the league thinks. Right. The poo-poo it already. Well, no. Here's, I think it's a great idea. Here's why I don't think it would, they'll do it. The NBA, more than any other league, builds its promotion, its marketing around individual stars. It's built its marketing around Twitter and trade discussions and where is this guy going to play? Is this guy better than the other guy? It is much, much less about the Celtics or the Lakers or the Sixers than it is about LeBron and Steph and KD and Embiid. So why does that make my idea a bad one? Because it flies in the face of the way they want to market the league. They want to market the league about its stars. They don't want to market it about its teams and the fans of those teams. They don't. Well, oh, okay. I mean, I, I guess on the that level it doesn't work. But I can tell you, how much more excited do you think people would be for this thing? How much more publicity would it get? How much more anticipation would it get? Coverage would it get? If it's that fans are going to get money, yeah, I, it, I think it, it would be it would be five it would, times. It bigger. would help. Yeah, it would help. Yeah, so that's my idea. And other than that, I think this thing is just yeah, it's, it's a contrived thing that nobody's going to care about. Yeah, I understand why in soccer it works because again, we never play that team, and mm-hmm. now we're playing them, and it's and it means something. In basketball, it's like, oh, great, we get to play the Pacers. Yes. Well, I care. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's you're motivating the players as opposed to. Um, the people to pay attention to it. I should pay you for this. <laughs> All right. Um, the uh, World Series ended. I'm sorry for your son's uh, team losing. That's all right. Ev, Ev, you had a great run, buddy. He'll great, recover. great run. Yeah, he'll recover. Um, but one of the stories, it was not a great World Series. I don't know how much you watched. Very little. Yeah, Very I like watched a couple innings here and there. And I, it's, I, it may be because the Phillies lost the way they did that mm-hmm. I didn't want to tune in. But I also... It wasn't an intriguing matchup. Yeah, I didn't know very much about the Texas Rangers relative to the other teams that were in the playoffs. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was going to tune in to see, oh, this guy or that guy. Um, Whereas if, you know, a a city like if the Orioles had made it, I would have been interested to see Baltimore win a championship, right? Mm -hmm. Because those Mm -hmm. fans have been suffering for so long. That is a great baseball city. I didn't feel quite the same way about the Rangers. No. Um, But you had some ratings that were shockingly disappointing. Yeah. So a couple – Figures went out on Twitter um, within the last week kind of showing how little the World Series resonated with a general national audience. So Andrew Brandt, friend of the show, really sharp guy, tweeted out. Yeah, we got to get him on, by the yeah. way. He's, he used to come on Angelo's show a lot. I think he's a free agent now. We, yeah, we, gotta try we can to get him. He's still down. in the area, still involved with yeah. Villanova and law school. Yeah, yeah. And, um, anyway, he, he noted the World saw, Series. Saw, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's saw, right. saw him at the movies recently. Oh. Okay. Set, set uh, near each other. Yeah, share, share a tub of popcorn? We shared a discussion. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did you see the screen, or were you sitting behind a large pole? No, that was... <laughs> that's only a place. I'll get to that in a, Did I discuss that last week? I forget. Yes. We, yeah, I, I did, we yeah. Did. That was last Friday, yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Steve Martin, Martin Short, and me in the, in the yeah. Lincoln Memorial <laughs> pole. Yeah, go on. Anyway, Andrew pointed out the World Series averaged 9 million viewers per game. 
Roger Goodell reading names at the NFL draft draws 12 million viewers. Wow. The uh, women's national championship game in uh, NCAA basketball drew 9.9 viewers. Get out of here. And the Get Average up. World Series game drew there, nine. W- uh, d- uh, nothing I say should be construed as against women's college basketball because that was actually a pretty compelling matchup and it yeah. was a good storyline and so on. But this is the World Series. And- the World Series lost in ratings to women's college basketball. Now, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison because it is one championship game. So presumably everyone who cares about that one, that sport is going to watch that night. Uh, I know. It's a World Series. I know. But it does speak to baseball being very much, I think, a regional sport nowadays. I think we get a little bit of a warped perspective here because the Phillies are so popular, and when they make a run like they have the last two years, it takes over the town. It's not that way everywhere. You know, people in Atlanta weren't all that broken up about the Braves losing. They were more worried about Georgia football yeah. and Florida football and those sorts of things. I saw the parade. Did you see the parade in Texas? I didn't. It looked like basically as many people who would be in a suburban shopping mall parking lot. Yeah. that That's the it reality. Really, it really wasn't, you know. That's the reality of, of the sports landscape nowadays. For all the grief that we give poor Ben Kenny about caring about college football, College football is way bigger uh, nationally sh- than baseball. Don't, don't, please don't open that door. I'm just okay? saying. I know, but you just walked right into his thing. Um, well, here's the only thing I would say to that. Other than the Tampa Rays and the and the Marlins, mm-hmm. I don't know that there are teams that would have less of a national following than the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, right? If it was Yankees-Dodgers, yeah. if it was Braves against the Red Sox, mm-hmm. It, the numbers would be way up. They'd be better. I don't Phillies. Know. I, it was Phillies. The numbers I, would be up. The, the the numbers weren't great last year when the Phillies played the Astros. I mean, they just weren't. Yeah, yeah. But you hope this is bottoms out. Anyway, there right. also there could be something to the fact that the Diamondbacks were just not very good. They were good enough to beat. Your I, I know they were good enough to beat the <laughs> Phillies, but it's it's yeah, not bad, as if you had bad timing. Ben, read no, the room. I, if it was the Baltimore Orioles that had gone, like they were a great team during the season, probably could have drawn more. Like that, that Diamondbacks team, it was like the 07 Rockies. Like they weren't yeah. that good. Well, they just and got I think there. what was Texas, 84 and 78 during the season? It was no, two teams. That te- re- Texas won 90 games. Oh, the Texas Diamondbacks won, won 84, 84 and 78. 84 and 78. Okay. Um, yeah, well, they were that, – that, correct. Neither was a super team, and both were from – both are just not have any national – it's about as bottom as you can get. But, boy, if you're outdrawn – by women's college basketball. Again, no offense to that. It's the World Series. It used to be the biggest event of the year in sports, bar none. Now it's number 25. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lack of perceived to be compelling storylines, lack of personality among its athletes. That was what was so kind of cool about what happened with Bryce Harper and the Braves in the divisional series is that there was some bad blood. Yeah. And there was some showmanship yeah. that went into that series, and that draws – casual viewers in that gets you on the national talk shows and discussion topics and trending on Twitter and all those sorts of things. And baseball often just doesn't have that. Yeah. The Phillies overall had a lot of personality this year. Yeah, they did. They, did. they had a lot of guys with personality. It made them a lot of fun. All right, Mike, I want you to hear something. Okay. You know what that is? I believe that is the telltale sound of the folded piece of paper. That is correct, which means it is time for you to make your prediction about tomorrow's Eagles-Cowboys game, after which the folded piece of paper is opened up to reveal what really will be the final score. 
So I think that both teams are going to move the ball uh, on each other a fair amount. Uh, you heard Brian Baldinger mention, I believe it was earlier in the show, about the ability of the Eagles to run the ball on the Cowboys. I think they'll get there eventually uh, during the game. I think they'll struggle a little bit in the red zone against them. I see a number of Jake Elliott field goals. Ultimately, I see the Eagles winning a bit of a shootout, 33-24. to 33-24. to 24. Boy, a nine-point win. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> I like that. Um, I, I will tell you the guy who scares me the most tomorrow is CeeDee Lamb. Absolutely. Coming off an absolutely great game. Um, and uh, he accounts for more than 35% of their offense. James Bradbury, I guess, is going to be in the slot and cover him. Going to be a big game by James Bradbury. They're a very key guy. Um, I also think the Dallas defense is is good. It's fast. But as we learned last year, if you run right at them, yeah. you can beat them. They're not strong per se. They're really good against the pass, but they don't sack the quarterback very much. That's kind is, of odd. That, that's, well, it's Parsons, and then, as as Brian Baldinger said, it's it's a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, but what they also do is they get turnovers. Mm-hmm. They've got nine interceptions. Yep. I'm not sure if you've noticed, Jalen Hurts is having a bit of a problem just this year. A, just a bit. Yeah, so you can't – got to be careful. I, I know – I hate to be the guy who says run the ball, run the ball, but I really think tomorrow they got to get that run game working. It has not been working. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Steen plays at right guard, mm-hmm. how that affects the run game. Um, I think I want, what I want is the Eagles offensive line to just go out and beat them up and bully them. Lane Johnson, Kelsey, Milata, who's having a really good year. Yeah. Go out and beat them up. And so this is what's going to be. All right. So we have the folded piece of paper of which I'm opening. And Glenn's prediction is Eagles 34, Cowboys 31. Yeah. Right down to the last minute. It is going to be people leaving, uh, with a sweat and a <laughs> smile. Well, I mean, look. They need it. They're going into the bye week. They are coming out of the bye against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Yeah. You've got the Buffalo Bills coming up. You've got the San Francisco 49ers coming up, which may not be as formidable a matchup or opponent as we once thought. Uh, And then the Cowboys again. Yeah, Yeah, then the Cowboys again. So uh, they need this one. And you had said earlier the Cowboys' next three weeks is like Giants, Panthers, Giants, Panthers, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to – they're going to rack up some wins. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they need that one are. tomorrow. And I think they're going to get it, and the place is going to be on fire. All right. Coming up, let's sneak in a call or two. If you want, we'll get to what we forgot to talk about with Ben Kenny, and we'll tell you about must-see TV tonight with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow, 215-592-9494. It is that time of year to once again reconsider replacing your old drafting windows and doors because that cold, long winter's headed our way. The great people at Guided Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable. They got the buy one, get one half off sale. Simple. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So, buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. Maybe you need to replace every window and door in your house. Good, because you're going to save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down, interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right, real quickly, I told you earlier that uh, 
a family that lives in Dallas. You do, and you said you hated them and never wanted to talk to them again. Well, that's not exactly what I said, although I'm <laughs> moving there now. Uh, I, you know, come to terms. They live, they live down there, my, my wife's brother and, and you know, his wife and their kids, and so whatever. They come upon it honestly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't bother me. Uh, and, in fact, my nephew and I actually have a good time kind of going back and forth. My brother-in-law, oh, my God. Listen, listen to this, okay? He texts me uh, a couple minutes ago. It's Cowboys Week. Prepare to cry. Oh, boy. Wait, wait, 10? So I wrote, you haven't listened to my show today, have you? And he says, oh, I am right now. And I said, pretty cocky there, my boy. And so they just heard my prediction. He says, didn't hear you predicting a lopsided result. Your prediction didn't sound overly confident. Scared? Bob, go go break the lawn, okay? <laughs> Do they have lawns in Dallas? No, nah, no, probably not. Go, they, have, they have planes. Right, they, go, they... go walk that silly dog of yours, all right? <laughs> Please. Um, real quickly, Mike Sielski, uh, if people are uh, around tonight at 11, and by the way, you should be awake at 11 because the clocks move back. Everybody That's right, gets, get an extra hour sleep. There you goodness. go. What should they be doing at 11 tonight? They should be turning on NBC Sports Philadelphia to watch the latest episode of your terrific show, What's Brewing, Pennsylvania, where they will see you and me and Flyers President Keith Jones talking about and drinking beer. And it's a fun episode. Pretty simple concept. Yeah, pretty good. Um, It's a a fun concept. It was a fun episode. And uh, that's what everyone should be doing at 11 o'clock. So as part of that, there's going to be a big announcement from the Conchalk and Brewing Company, which is where we filmed this thing, about a charity beer release. Uh, By the way, the beer should be hitting the stores by next Friday, I think, as a matter of fact, uh, involving uh, the Flyers uh, charities that we're very excited to be involved with. And I think you're going to like the beer and the spokesperson, and the can, and all of it is going to be pretty fun. Just, it's going to make it a, well, Just let me say this. Mm. Uh, it's going to be interesting when, Careful. if and when the time comes to have to criticize the Flyers. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Anyway. You know. Yeah, that's that's okay. You know what? I think I think they can deal with it. I, I do. I hope so. I, I so do. Too. No, I've, I've done these things before, and, and the time comes when you, you separate church and state. It happens. Um, but watch that, and then mark on your calendar November 29th, yep. which is a Wednesday evening, 6 to 9, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap out in Bridgeport right on Cal Pike because there's going to be a big release party for the beer with raffles and auctions and uh, a buffet and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, Mike's going to be there selling his book along with Angelo Cataldi with his new book, mm-hmm. Ray Dinger with his book. Uh, a lot of Flyers alum are going to show up. We're going to have just a great time there, so make sure you want to, you want to come out to that. All right, let us find out what did we forget to talk about today with our producer Ben Kenny. Um, I have a question. So you mentioned the clocks are turning. Yeah, this was not on my agenda previously. When does that happen? At, at midnight? Two two a.m. Two, two a.m. Yes. Yeah. So I. So I, whoever works overnight here. I, I've always wanted and have right. never like managed to stay up that long. Who is who's on tonight at two? Paul Jolovitz is going until two, and then Steve Trevelis takes over at two. I'm but then once not it gets sure to who two, that, like who decides that? Yeah. If Paul is on at two, and then all of a sudden it's one, it does Paul stay one. on? 
I, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. I can we, take an extra hour jolly. I'm in for that. We have disrupted the space-time continuum. <laughs> That's what I'm like. You're hosting WIP Sports Time is do 1.15. I always think that that would like be a blast to say, I'm Paul Jolovitz. It's 2 a.m. Hey, I'm Paul Jolovitz. It's 1 a.m. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where my mind went. Um, yep. So there you go. All right. The trade deadline passed this week, and previously the Kevin Byer trade was made, and you guys discussed it last week. But then the Eagles were inactive during the deadline itself, which some have called a mistake. Others still look at the roster and call it the best in the NFL. Maybe both are true. But the Eagles didn't make a move on Tuesday. While, I mean, the Niners got Chase Young, the Cowboys didn't really do anything. But the Eagles stood pat. Yeah, they did. I mean, they got Bayard a couple days before. Um, I also think for all the attention paid to the moves that Howie Roseman makes at the trade deadline. He is mindful of the fact that at some level, when you draft young players, they have to play well when they get their chance. You can't go into every trade deadline patching whatever holes. At some point, you have to trust that a guy you drafted in the second or third round who is playing now is going to improve and has to deliver. So that's my spiel. I would have liked to have seen uh, maybe a backup offensive lineman, although now we get to see Steen play, so let's see how he does. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little help special teams, like a, you know, a, a gunner yeah. on special. But, no, nah, I'm fine with it. I do think that the Chase Young to the Niners is is the significant move. Yes, Because okay, now they got Bosa on one side, him on the other side. Although he hasn't been a great player since he's been in the NFL. There was a bit of a, you know, yeah, there was a yeah. lot of talk about him. And he has, he's, he's good. But he ain't Joey Bosa. I bet he's better where he or goes. I bet he's going to be better now. We'll see. All right, what else? Um, what else? The Eagles offense. I, this is a little exercise. You guys want to hear the, the Eagles leading receivers the last time they beat Dak Prescott? Sure. Which would be yeah. in 2019, the last week of the season. I, I, I don't know the date. But they ended up going to the playoffs. They beat Dak at home. They go to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders, which, you know, you right. figure. Yeah. Behind them, Greg Ward. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, oh, Zach Ertz, yeah. Robert Davis, and Joshua Perkins. Was That that was the 2019 game that got the Eagles in the playoffs or um, yeah. the, the last kind Seven. of the, the end of that run that Carson Wentz had where he kind of carried them at the end of the season was playing really well with a bunch of no-names as his receivers. I honestly don't even remember Robert Davis or what is it, Broderick Perkins. No, he was a baseball player. Joshua Perkins? Joshua Perkins. I don't, I, a- honestly, Anthony Perkins? He, th- he threw the ball to Norman Bates? Right, poorly. <laughs> All right, what else? Um, and then, I mean, we don't need to spend much time because we're at the end of the show, but uh, Michigan football is in the midst of a large-scale sign-stealing scandal, which, at least to myself, has been the most entertaining thing to follow in the world because you have most of the country that despises Michigan and their fans. You have Michigan and their fans who are, you know, they prop themselves up. Yeah. They're trying to defend the guy. Meanwhile, the guy is, like, buying tickets with his own name, yeah. and then now he's quit. It's, it's well, the a, video, the, what's great, was it Central Michigan? I forget what who yes. what the opponent was. Central Michigan played Michigan State right. week one. And he's there on the sideline, you know, like like Forrest Gump, <laughs> right? And it, it, that I thought it, 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 I'm actually finding the whole thing very entertaining and amusing. And I think they're going to get socked at the end. I think they're going to get nailed. I do too, and I am curious to see how many people on OnlyFans.com and other not-suitable-for-work websites – use Connor Stallions as their logon name because <laughs> it works, man. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, nice job there, Ben Kenny. Good job. Mike, 
a pleasure. I'll see you at the stadium tomorrow. I will, I will see you tomorrow. All right. I don't need to say what I'm about to say, but I am going to say it. I cannot wait to see Eagle fans in Midnight Green and Kelly Green showing up tomorrow. Pre-game show. Uh, countdown to kickoff starts at 1. Pre-game at 2. I'll meet you there. We'll be raucous. It's going to be a great day. It's Cowboys week, man. Love it. It's all good. It's all great. Anyway, Mike, a pleasure. You too, Glenn. Uh, Go Birds Radio coming in, coming up next. Elliot and James, enjoy their show. We'll see you tomorrow at the stadium on 94 WIP. Cowboys Saturday.